Hello. Mm. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social. Maybe the title of this episode. Social distancing. Hmm. It's the thing that we're practicing right now. Shelter in place. Different thing. Mm. I learned this afternoon there's a difference between. I'm sorry, I'm chewing gum. Um, uh, there's a difference between self quarantine and the other one. Uh, <laughs> there's no so uh, self quarantine, self abuse. Q U A R quarantine. Where do you get black soap? Remember that? She's cleaning little Howard's uh, legs. That black soap. Little Howard. An uh, aviator? Yeah. That's the first hmm. scene. Q. She's like, learned, making a yeah, learn how to spell do, quarantine. Do you remember the soap in uh, in A Christmas Story? It was like kind of dark red. Yes. Uh, that I'm going to guess that was probably palm olive. Here's the style at the time, as they say. Mm-hmm. To make the soaps dark colors. I mean, it seems like it would be pretty easy to make soap any color you want. Uh, just... Someone eventually figured out, probably Ivory and Procter and Gamble, that if you make it, uh, you know, a lighter shade, that people like it better. But maybe back then, black, yeah. dark red, sure. This could be uh, the color of my crystal, but I feel like there's some um, what uh, heterogeneity. Is that what mm-hmm. I'm looking for? Homogeneity, mm-hmm. homogeneity in in mm-hmm. soap uh, colors and styles today. Maybe that's just because once I got onto the Irish Spring style bar, mm-hmm. which was preceded by the Dial Bar, which was preceded by the Dove Bar, which my mom would buy. Uh, mostly, I get those. Uh, I get those uh, kind of green green soaps that smell like you know Irish Spring kind of. What do you What do you use for a bath soap? If I could ask, you use a loofah. I do not. Yeah, me neither. I, I've never been a fan of washcloths. Loofah. I don't like any kind of a device like that. What kind of soap? What kind of soap do you use? I go. Um, I like ivory for my face, which is super greasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so I need I need the ivory to do it to do its job to to cut the grease. Like no moisturizers, no nothing, just plain straight up ivory soap. I feel like nothing does the job like that. But then if you use that on the rest of your body, you get dried out skin in the winter time. So on the rest of my body, are you, are you sure? You sure you mean ivory? Yeah, because I mean, ivory is very percent pure, big white rectangle with the word ivory stamped in it. Mm. Ivory soap. It's very moist as soaps go. This is why I say this is why I got hooked on the uh, two things I got hooked on in uh, college. It's always two things: um, the um, uh, Neutrogena LSD and ivory soap. What was the first one? LSD. Sorry, it <laughs> oh, should have been God, amphetamines. It's really. Weird. I never should have done LSD. That was a bad idea. Mm. Um, the, um, I had a lady friend, uh, you know how you get a really close association with a person and a scent, like mm-hmm. my first high school girlfriend, even though I don't actually like the smell of Calvin Klein obsession, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of like it now. Cause it reminds me of my first college girlfriend. I later had a college girlfriend. Uh, she had a name and a life apart from that, but for purposes <laughs> of the story, uh-huh. you should just know we used to take showers in the dorm together. And she, uh, she was on the Neutrogena you know, clarifying shampoo, which you're only supposed to use once a week according to the label. Hmm. But I still have that around. And the other one was, and I'm off the dial now, but I used to be on the dial. Now, if you want to really, you want to be ruddy and you want to feel like all grease has been removed, I, I'm, I'm not saying I recommend dial, but I recommend dial. Does dial have a scent? It smells like dial. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the scent. And I, I feel like all of the, the soaps that I've tried that haven't been ivory have felt like they didn't cut the grease the way I need them to. I need to go look this. I 
I feel like ivory, maybe I'm confusing it with dove. I think you are. Okay. Dove is the one that's very moist. Uh, well, there's lots of moisturizing soaps, but Dove, I think, is one of them. Hmm. And in fact, I think that's, I use the, I use the family's choice for soap for the rest of me. And I <laughs> is think that like a is, Kroger brand? Family's yeah, choice? I, I, no, I'm saying, I think it, I'm saying I didn't pick it. I think yeah, it yeah, actually no, is a Dove. It's like a, it's an oval thing. I think it actually is a Dove, but it's a moisturizing soap. It does not dry out your skin. Hmm. All right. Don't try to write family's choice soap in the document. Social well, it's distancing. Right oh, social writing that down okay see the thing is we don't have to use any of these we're gonna talk about social distancing though we're gonna we're gonna talk on the list about, where's it where'd you put it i'm it's 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 in it's in your head it's on the, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue oh god you don't want to touch that mm-hmm. no, no you don't i i, I don't because I mean, you're social distancing even for myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's what's your what's your deal there how's how's it going do you want to talk about this yes <clears throat> um it's wild I feel like there's, there's, um, as far as how it's going directly for us, fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to sound like such a, such a bleeding heart liberal, but we're going to be fine. It's well, other people I'm worried. Well, I, I, we will. I mean, my wife continues to half believe that all three of us already had this when we were sick. Remember, we were all sick for a few weeks, a few weeks back. Yeah. What, 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 were, your, what were your symptoms? I thought you'll remember that the way I described it was a rattling chest cough mm-hmm. that was loud enough to be heard with the mute switch on. Mm-hmm. Now that to me does not sound like a COVID type cough. I've heard it described as a dry cough. <clears throat> what other symptoms did you have? I didn't have a fever, but she says you could be asymptomatic. Okay, so as far as how we're going here, it's going good. It's, I feel like there's a little bit of um, cognitive dissonance or like just colliding messages, not simply from the White House, but also just what my eyes tell me from looking at the internet and following people like Elizabeth Joe, who's done a great job of like bubbling up. She's like, she's, she is for COVID the way that Joe Steele is for streaming stuff for me. She's really good. She's a local. I think she's at UC Davis. Don't be creepy. But, um, um, what I'm getting from the things I read with my eye holes is that this is real bad and we need to tamp this down like last week. But at the same time, um, my, my lady's just going through, you know, she, 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 uh, she manages, she's a manager. She manages. They cut that, you know, it was in the trailer, but they cut it from the movie, but she, um, she's having to do all kinds of insane plate spinning as her, the university that she works at is, I think really in, it's a medical school and there's hospitals and it's doctors and doctors and doctors. And, um, but that means doctors that see patients. It means doctors who teach other doctors. It means you know what I mean? It's like there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of angles to that. You can't just stop caring for people. You can't just stop teaching, right? I mean, you've got you take your Tamiflu and you know think of England, I guess, most of the time. But um, so it's weird. She's uh, it's been real. She's been a real gamer about it, the good kind of gamer. But like, she's got a lot of crazy stuff where like she'd spent like day and a half or two days of a time when she's, this is her crazy time of year because a lot of stuff like updates on grants and stuff are due right now. So in addition to that being crazy, now like she spends a day and a half, two days trying to reschedule a ton of stuff. And then No Shade and Lemonade on the university, they announced, well, you know, if it's a sub 150 person um, event, you might be good. Other people are saying 50. Other, Other people are saying like just... 
don't be near any people. So there's a lot of conflicting messages. Health-wise, we're all great. There's a lot of, as I said to Dan um, yesterday, there's a lot of um, uncertainty just about if this happens, then that happens, then what does that mean? So we're trying to do contingency planning. But I mean, so far we're all good. I don't know anybody who's sick, but like I do believe it is it is real. And the marker I unhappily put down right now is that this is because of the way we've squandered this lead time. This is going to be pretty bad and very disruptive. But health-wise, we're fine. How, how are you all doing? I mean, you know I've had for several weeks this cold mm-hmm. which i've starting i'm starting to be convinced that it's not a cold but it's just allergies uh like you know it's it's not the same symptoms as that and you know i started having it way before this was even a thing but it's still annoying um and kids uh have similar runny nose symptoms no coughing or anything but it's just you know it's probably again probably allergies there's a lot of pollen here today in particular and it's been getting warmer who the heck knows but that's just sort of an undercurrent but other than that it's fine except for what you just got at which is Hey, uh, we if we had half a brain, what we should be doing is not hanging out with each other. We should be doing the social distancing thing. That's what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. The problem with the social distancing plan is there, you know, people who run stuff, you run a school system, a university or a team of developers, <laughs> a, a workplace, whatever yeah. it is that, that you are in charge of your little kingdom, you have judgment calls to make mm-hmm. and in the complete absence of anybody with half a brain in charge of this country, which has been a situation for many years now, uh, you're on your own to make those calls. And so I feel like we're making all those calls late, and I feel like I'm not in control of those calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of universities around here are telling the students, uh, don't come back from spring break. Harvard Harvard is sending the kids home by five days from now. Yeah, they, also, they want them to go to classes until... The, that happens though it doesn't make any sense and i'm not quite sure where they're going to go or how they're going to get there um but yeah lots of colleges are saying hey don't mm-hmm. don't come back to from spring break or if you're back you have to leave oh and, and acting acting like there's just a to, to kind of key off of tony sindelar um it, i mean i'm paraphrasing here but like there is not a distance learning ramp up button that you can click <laughs> and then everything's like, good to go. I mean, setting aside if Zoom can handle all yeah, of this. <laughs> that's the least of my concerns, honestly. Like, yeah, okay, right. Uh, but what about my education? All right, yes, well, yes. sure. The, you know, your education will be there later if you are. And if everybody else is, we can I, pick I, that I do back see, up. I, I, do, I do think this is very complex um, for reasons that I don't forget which slacks I've been talking about this in. But the, um, the one thing, um, well, to, to your point. You know, nobody wants to be the person who panicked and hit the trigger too early and screwed mm-hmm. everything up, right? Mm-hmm. That that's that's not a good look for somebody who's supposed to be a big strong leader. Um, on the other hand, of course, you don't want to be the person who got there too late and now your whole team is out and and grandpa died. Yeah. Um, but you know, the um but the thing the thing that my wife has really been pounding into my head that I, I really get now. I mean, I've gotten this, but now I get get it is that, you know, obviously the huge thing is to cancel school, right? And the thing that everybody knows is if you cancel school, well, everybody should know, is that like a bunch of kids aren't going to get food that day. Mm -hmm. Like everybody knows that. But there's the other thing, which is the let's be materialist about this. Um, There are a lot of people where both, what could be a single parent, but somebody's working. There is no childcare. They cannot afford childcare for two weeks. And that means then they, if they have to stay home, then they're not working 
and the music goes round. And pretty soon you're mm, three weeks away from society crumbling. If you don't have those kind of, I don't want to be crazy about it, but there's a lot more to it than just saying, okay, shut it down in the uh, abundance of caution kind of thing. Well, but those ripple effects are exactly the point, like that everyone who's making a decision in isolation due to the complete vacuum of leadership is like, well, uh, this this in in theory is my call. But then they go through all the things you just said. But Mm -hmm. but of A, then B, then C, then D. And it it ripples out and they're like, boy, this is this problem is bigger than just me and my school system. It's a society wide problem. If only we had a way of dealing with society-wide problems. <laughs> and then, right. you know, if, it, there was, if there's some kind of a centralized government, some, some kind of system whereby we, we as a collective decide uh, how best to, would we have to do that ourselves, John, or would we elect people to go I, and I take don't, care of I that? I don't, I haven't really given a lot of thought, but it no. seems like together that we could have a system mm, uh, whereby we, we, uh, we further Dutch. ourselves. Pretty Dutch. I don't we, think that's very Where we do things that are hard to do individually, yes. but become more tractable collectively. Anyway, Setting that aside. Um, I, will not, so school, I will not drive on a road that I haven't paved myself with my yeah. own money. School systems. That, that's that's the big one. And then the second the second effect is work. And like here's with this with this thing, because it's not like, you know, it's not the the, the disease from the stand. Right. Where, you know, 90 mm-hmm. percent of the people on Earth are going to die. That's not this. Right. So in the absence of that. <laughs> Everybody is always like, eh, mm, how much do we, eh, I, you know, and, and you keep going up to the power structure. Eventually you get to people whose main concern is how many billions of dollars does my stock lose? And they're so disconnected from the rest of reality. It's really bad when yeah. they're involved in the decision making process at all. I think that especially in our country, we are blessed enough that uh, we could put, you know, put everything on pause for 14 to 30 days. And it would be painful, but if done collectively, uh, we could do it. Uh-huh. We, you know, we spent a trillion dollars to blow up a bunch of Muslims in the Middle East, and no one has a problem with that. You know, like uh-huh. it's just, we can't pause the country for fourteen days. Anyway, it's probably, as they say, not that big a deal because only the weak ones will die, as we discussed <laughs> last week. But it is very depressing to see all of the, you know, all the signals saying, "Hey." We could help. We we could do something about this social distancing, keeping away from blah blah blah. But in order to do something about it, there are trade offs, and nobody wants to make those trade offs. So keep sending the kids to school, and right. I am very unhappy with that with that system because that's what we're doing right now. We're still sending our kids to school. The colleges are closing everything, but they're like, nope, keep sending your kids to elementary school. All these kids are hardy; they don't die. Yeah, yeah, no, but keep sending them. There's you know this just. Because if we don't, they might miss a couple weeks of school. Yeah. And, and then, what, are we going to pay the teachers when they're not even there? That's <sighs> madness, Merlin. What would happen if we did we're that? I can't paying them at all, you know? What would happen if we did that? Next year, you're going to be telling me we're going to pay teachers for the summertime when they don't teach. Well, as long as the troops are getting benefits. Um, <sighs> the... Um, the uh, Here's the thing I think about. So I was, uh, you know, we're doing all the usual kind of normie dad stuff to like, you know... Um, s- washing our hands, which I try to do anyway, but yes, washing our hands, all the things. But, you know, um, I think a lot of it for us is like, I don't think it's directly a health threat to us per se, but I'll tell you what I did think about. Um, I have to get in a lift at least four times mm-hmm. a week mm-hmm. to go get my kid and uh, at her school. And when I was in the lift today on the way there, of course, I was thinking about like, gosh, I wonder if 
you know, should I be freaked out by them? Should they be freaked out by me? Like, what if they offer me hand sanitizer? I'm running through all the things in my head. Anyway, I'm looking at my phone and just, you know, reading and thinking. And and I, I run across the, it seemed like about, even just since yesterday, there's been several more congresspersons and related uh, elected officials who were either at CPAC or around people. And what you quickly get from this so here's why I think this is difficult to talk about. I think this is why this is very subtle and takes some thinking. This takes some kind of first and second order type thinking stuff. Because what they, for example, there was the guy um, from Virginia, I want to say, and he said, well, okay, we were contacted, my wife and I were contacted by the state of Virginia health department to let us know that somebody that we had had dinner with um, had been exposed or had tested positive, I guess. Um, so long story short, it, but like, what had happened? So what what had happened was, when you get diagnosed, I guess some epidemiology type person sits down with you and, and says, "Okay, well, let's go through everybody that you've had contact with, both to determine where it came from and where it might have gone next." Right? And so in that instance, it's the same as if you, you know, I guess gave somebody super crabs or something. Like you'd get a call and somebody would say, "Oh, you know." you need to go get checked out because you you were exposed to this thing when you had intercourse with this person or whatever. And then I, I was just thinking though, like that's really interesting because I think it's really important. We're talking about not just where you got it from, but then who you might've given it to. And as I sat there in my lift, I was like, I wonder if I could do that. Could I go through, how easily could I come up with a plus or minus 20% list of people that based on the criteria provided to me, these were plus or minus 20%. These are the N number of people I've had contact with in the last two weeks. That is so hard to do. Really difficult to do where you're going to find yourself self saying stuff like I was, I walked by a Cinnabon 12 days ago or whatever. So here's what, here's what I'm trying to get at with this is that we, we are, I guess we're getting a clearer picture for what we didn't know last time, which is how long it takes to sort of kick in, incubate, whatever. But one double benefit of the, what is it, social distancing, is that first of all, yeah, you're less likely to get it. If you have it, you're less likely to give it. And it's also going to make it much less difficult than if you'd been on six legs of flights in the last two weeks. Like, you know, I don't know if that's making sense, but not only is it prophylactic or advisable just in terms of minimizing the spread, but it also greatly simplifies the the maths that have to be done to figure out who got what from who and gave what to who. And if everybody's running around all over California or Washington or a boat, like that's going to make it real hard and it's going to mask or disguise how how far it's gotten because that's going to really gum up the works for track. Does that make sense for tracking all that down? Yeah, I mean, that's the natural consequence of slowing the spread means when someone asks you about where you might have spread it, you will say fewer places because that's the nature of slowing the spread is that you put it, you you spread it around less. And so mm-hmm. when you report on that spreading, it is less to report on and you're more accurate. I'm sure you got all the Lyft drivers information in case you need to notify. If they, have, if they have an interesting name, I screenshot it usually. <laughs> Yeah, Lyft has that information, but they're not they're not going to give it out. Since, since when does everybody have five stars all the time? What's up with that? I told you, it's exactly like the car dealership or the appliance thing. You mm. have to give me a perfect <laughs> rating or they'll kill my whole family. That's, <laughs> that is the line. I love my daughter. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. 
To learn more about ExpressVPN right now by visiting expressvpn.com slash diffs. Now, we all know that a VPN protects your privacy and security online, but did you know that it can take your TV watching to the next level? Because you can unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Shh, don't tell anyone. That means that you can use ExpressVPN to binge on Doctor Who or Star Trek on the UK Netflix It's really simple. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app and change your location to the UK. Hello, hello, hello. Then you refresh Netflix and that's it. You're done. Boom. ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think that you are located and you can choose from almost 100 different countries. And just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. So if you love anime, you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works for any streaming service including Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, whatever it is that you want. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which is uh, what you want when you're watching a TV show. No buffering, no lag, and you can stream in HD. It's also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, you name it, so you can watch what you want wherever you want. So right now, please go to expressvpn.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. Get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. It's a pretty good deal. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash diffs. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, okay, so, Pop Quiz Hotshot, you're king of America, and, um, I mean, within, within reasonable parameters. Uh, what... I mean, if it's not a retread of what we've just said for the last 19 minutes, what, um, what would you, what do you think people we should be doing right now? I mean, we have the advantage that a bunch of other people have gone first and we've seen things. And we that saw work. how it helped. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, so, well, not that I recommend doing what China did, which is wall off people and let the weak mm-hmm. ones die. Uh, but, but some of the South, things, South Korea, you get, you get the, you get the drive, drive by or drive in, uh, testings yeah. or, or, or Italy putting a freeze on all travel, like all yeah. the things the other countries are doing, they're all yeah. doing it when it becomes sort of politically expedient, but it's like, they're, they're all doing it too late, put it this way, because nobody wants to do it too early, as you said, but which is terrible thinking because, re, you know, really like if you're going to like, what are you going to think about on your deathbed? That one time you cost the economy a bunch of money because you did a thing too early or that one time a bunch of people died and you could have prevented it because you waited until it was too late. Like it's no, it's no contest like in this uh-huh. risk reward type of thing. If you think about it in terms of how you're going to feel about it years and years later, there's not like there's no risk in doing early. Doing early can be bad as well. You're hurting the economy, giving, making people lose jobs, you know, like there's all sorts of things that you're doing that are bad. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also always like, like I remember in the nineties when um, they first started saying, I used to run into this with the uh, terrible job that I used to have harming people in lawsuits. And, um, and, but I remember when it first became uh, contra conventional wisdom, when, when they said, look, you know, you should not be getting, you should not be getting a a like clockwork annual um, physical. Um, there's all kinds of things where like you don't want to have too many tests for things because false negatives can cause a lot of problems. It goes up the system. If we don't need, if you don't need to be doing that, don't do that. Yes, have them check out your butt if you're over fifty. That kind of stuff. But that you know you wouldn't want to run on that. But it sounds like South Korea was prepared with the kits that they need and that kind of stuff. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, and China did what they. You know, their, their system of doing it is, you know, applying, yeah. applying human power to a problem and letting the weak die and hiding the fact that they did it. And, you know, like just, you know, there's not a model, but if you look at their 
from from all outside reports, it seemed like they did eventually get it under control. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's qualified. a really good there's a really good graph. Uh, you you might have seen. I, I uh, like assuming I said, you can believe what comes out of the country, which is well. But there was there was a guy uh, I believe it was yesterday. I'll find this link and put it in notes. But a fellow who uh, said I can't believe nobody else had done this yet, so I did it. He basically took the the trend line for each country. And it's, you remember back on Yahoo where you could compare two stocks based on starting on a certain day? Mm-hmm. He did the same thing here with uh, coronavirus where he said, based on this many days from 200 cases or whatever it was, this is where we are now. And this is what we have to look forward to based on if, just ba- if this goes very, very well and we have this authoritarian lockdown, this is still what you can expect. And it is really not pretty. Yeah. The, the Italy one was very persuasive because we were exactly on track with uh, Italy's stuff. Like we were, you know, in five days in, we were we were exactly matching their things. And so they shut down half the country. Then they shut down the other half of the country. Um, you know, we are not shutting anything down. Individual School systems are shutting down and various states are calling, uh, declaring a state of emergency for various political reasons so they can have certain powers that they only have when a state of emergency is declared. Yeah, it opens up money and... But there is, yeah, but there is no from the top as there was in, say, Italy or China saying uh, blanket travel ban, uh, mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nobody go out, nobody go anywhere, no one, no one, you know, banning all weddings and funerals, banning all uh, groupings of you know, more than a hundred and something people mm-hmm. like just sort of th- that type of thing where you're doing it kind of too late, but that's the, the only time that it's really that you can do it politically speaking without people yelling at you because you re- there are consequences. There are economic and real life consequences to people and their businesses and so on and so forth. That is exactly the type of thing that you want a government with either a lot of money or the capacity to uh, absorb a lot of debt to take on and say, mm-hmm. as some countries have done, uh, we're telling you all you can't go to work and we're going to pay all your salaries or give you paid sick days or whatever, like, you know, like, uh, or if you need to stay home from work, even if your boss says you have no paid sick days, the government will pay you for your sick days. All sorts of things that you can do from a central perspective if you're willing to spend money to save people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our neck of the woods, that's not a thing that is going to happen until it's way too late. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're left on our own and we're left with the ripple effects you just described. And I'm left continuing to send my kids to a room full of filthy children who don't wash their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even if they wanted to, what opportunity do they have it as they race from class to class with the other children? And uh, it's just, you know. I, um, not to bust a gut here, but to just follow on to something I said on Dubai Friday um, when I was trying to talk my friends off the ledge. Um, I, I do have this, I have this gnawing concern and I'm, I'm, I'm setting aside the cynical stuff. I know you're very cynical about understandably about the white house and all that stuff. I am too. But, um, there is this, this, this part of me that part of me is confused and sad. And, and part of me is just confused. The part that's confused and sad is, um, you know, a hallmark of American culture in our somewhat better times is that, we're we're not only concerned with our own immediate welfare, um, we can also find ways to be concerned with other people's general welfare, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but like it takes a there's a certain level of abstraction to saying like even though this doesn't affect me and probably won't affect me directly in the way that it will other people, like it's my obligation to like do the right thing. It's like, 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 you know, when you see like in my neighborhood, Chinese people walking around in uh, surgeon masks all the time. I used to think it was because they don't want to get sick. No, it's totally a Chinese thing that you wear that mask if you're sick and you don't want to make others sick. Right. So like, I don't know. 
the part the part that's that's sad and confusing is that like I, I I just keep wondering if we've lost the capacity by and large for a majority or even a plurality of people to like say, well, no, we got to do this because this is the right thing and it, and it helps people. The part that I find incredibly perplexing, and I swear to God, I'm not trying to be a dick, is that this is going to greatly by, if you look at the pie graph of this, once all the bodies are counted, a huge amount of this impact is going to land straight on old white men. Like literally that's, it's old people. It's white people. It's people with people like pork chop men who sit around like, you know, I don't know, eating jars of olives all day. I don't know. But, but like they, they they have a self interest (laughs) physically, like their own health. Trump, Trump is so, he's, he's so short sighted. He can't even realize that like this could kill like how many thousands of his own, you know, hoglets. And it's like, I don't know. It just makes me sad that like, even when that naked self-interest of your own health and the health of your, of your family and maybe your parents is in jeopardy, you you can't see past the end of your 401k. Well, I mean, I'm trying to, trying to apply logic and morality to that whole situation is ridiculous but for the individual well, like the people marshall like marshall plan dude we did the marshall plan not just because we were nice but yeah, because it let us be it, leaders it, takes, it let us be leaders in europe like to, to to get to your first part of like i i think that you know that willingness to do uh what is best for all of us collectively still is prevalent throughout the country but you you do very often need uh i mean I was going to say catalyst, but leadership, uh, you know, the Marshall mm-hmm. plan happens not because not not because uh, America is magnanimous and loves the Japanese. Uh, if you were to poll the average American about what they thought about the Japanese at the end of, at the end of World War Two, mm-hmm. you would not find a sentiment that says we should really help them rebuild their country. Uh, but uh, people who are in charge in a position to make that call uh, did so. And. That's an example of leadership where you, mm-hmm. if you're given disproportionate power, uh, it's upon it's, it's up to you to act perhaps differently than the collective will of the people would at any given moment. That's why every single decision uh, isn't voted on by every single person in every single moment. That's not a particularly good system that scales to millions of people. Um, you know, so like I. I'm not that cynical about that. I think that all exists, which is why I find it all the more frustrating that like the things that we need to do are so obvious and it wouldn't even be that hard and it would be good for everyone involved in the short, medium and long term and we can't get it together to do it. And what you were getting at it later is like, well, you know, it's affecting them most. It's it's what's the matter with Kansas situation. It's very easy to convince people to do things against their own self-interest if you just throw a few bugaboos in there and boy, there are plenty of bugaboos like it's bugaboos all the way down. Like just mm-hmm. there, there is nothing that could not be spun by Fox News into convincing all of their people to the people who watch it to do mm-hmm. things that are nakedly against their own self-interest. Like there is literally nothing like it's just it's right. it, it's like it's like the people, in, you know, whatever those those doomsday cults where they uh, drink the Kool-Aid or put on the Nike sneakers or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's you can make people do things that are transparently against their best interest and it's not even that hard uh and there's a large machinery that has been churning away doing that slowly edging you know closer and closer to things that we find you know every every time we find something even more ridiculous i can't believe that people did or thought that even though 
clearly we think it's against their interests, but they have other interests that they think are more important. And you're like, you think that's more important than that? And they say, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, that's just your priorities. And then that window just keeps moving and moving. And we're always puzzled and surprised by really, that's what your priorities are now. And they're like, yep. I'm like, well, okay. And then just you do that year after year after year. And eventually you look at where you are and you're like, wow, <laughs> like we're willing to let our, you know, willing to have kids die we've, we've in really school. Let our, really it, let it, ourselves kid, go. Kids die in school in a hail of gunfire so someone can have a cool gun in their house. Like, that's what we're at. It's like, uh -huh. oh, yep. Let me show you how through a series of small steps you get there. And it's so clear if you look out behind you. But he used to go hunting with his dad. Come on, give him a yeah, break. You just, you just look out behind you and you're like, yeah. oh, I see. You, you just look and you see behind you all the steps that led to that. And every single one of them is just laid out like a, yep. like a bunch of clothes yep. that dropped out of a suitcase as you walked. And you're like, <laughs> Doo -doo. oh, yeah. <laughs> now I see it. And you turn and you turn back and face forward. And you're like, well, at least that won't continue to happen. It takes a good guy with a logical fallacy to stop a bad guy with a logical <sighs> fallacy. Yeah. Um, as for uh, young people and healthy people, you know, being OK. First of all, uh, you're not a young person, Merlin. You're over 50. So yeah. you are in the part I should really get somebody up my butt like right now. Up. And second of all, now we're at the point in, uh, in hysteria Twitter where doctors are posting things that are like, uh, mortality is not when you're, and I'm, I'm kind of, in the, I'm, I'm not, I'm not signed up to this mindset of the hysteria, but I'm in the mindset of like, mortality is not what I'm really super concerned about for myself because my chances are very low, mm -hmm. but who wants to be sick? Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to be sick. Talk about self-interest. Yeah. Right. It's not fun to uh, be sick. It, right. And mm -hmm. the doctors are like, you won't die, but, it, you know, that's what the mortality thing is. But this is bad, and you could... It's the carrying uh, be... that's bad. That's the thing. It's like, well, yeah, no, you can... setting, setting, setting aside that, just for stupid self-interest, like, okay, you yeah. could get super-duper sick and yeah. maybe have to be in the hospital for a little bit, and it could take you months of physical therapy to recover. You could have scar tissue in your lungs and never have lung capacity again. No, maybe no. you were super into sports, and now, like, these, and, and you're going to show up as survived, recovered. Mm -hmm. But it could affect your life. Nobody wants that. No one really wants to get a sniffle, let alone get a really bad cold, let alone get something that could, you know, uh, knock them out for several months. Mm -hmm. Forget about the medical bills. We haven't. Even, we're not even going to touch that whole situation of like, oh, and you survive, but now you're in, in debt because our country doesn't have you know reasonable healthcare system. Yeah, you passed and out, then, and somebody called an ambulance, and now you're in debt for and, the rest and, of your life. Yeah, now you lost your house, right? Yep. Uh, and, but you survive, so you're in that thing. So I'll be fine because I'm young and healthy. It's like. No, we all don't want to get sick. And then mm -hmm. secondarily, as you pointed out, we don't want to make other people sick. You're never going to know the extent to which you are guilty of that. And at any point, you're like, well, what was I supposed to do? Not go to work and lose my job and mm -hmm. not be able to support my family? And then the boss is going to say, well, what was I supposed to do? Lose my business? And then you're just all the way up the chain, which is why it has to be a collective decision where we use the resources that are available to us collectively to allow us to weather the storm in a better fashion. And it just kills me that we can't do it. In fairness, though, um, Vice President Pence says that this is truly a nationwide effort. And that, well, I, I don't know if you watched, you're probably busy with your, your program about that press conference was one of the most depressing things I read that entire day, which What's is that? saying something. What? What did I say? He's, so in, uh, in I don't know, these, was it today uh, or yesterday? yesterday? Uh, 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 whatever, whenever it was, I, I try not to watch these things, but I see like third level effects on Twitter. And the third level effect of this was that there was some, you know, dog and pony show where the bunch oh of Oh my God, everybody just of, complimenting and thanking each other. Not that one is the Ugh. one where they were in front of the podium, right? And Trump went off. And and some you know without answering any questions, and someone asked Pence like, "Have you gotten tested?" And he, and he said, uh, "No, I haven't. I haven't been tested." And then right? he's up there like a deer in headlights, six inches away from all these other white guys, all pumping each other's hands. 
Yeah. And they're like, and so somebody yells out, Mr. President, Mr. President, have you been tested? He's walking away. I don't know. Pence didn't know he could have done that, but he could have. Because well, I mean, I was, these I was guys going to stop them or hold them to account. I was and I was actually listening to the press conference on the way to school today. Um, but it is wild how much you can tell he's the one that's never going to be holding the hot potato when the buzzer goes off. He's always ready to hand that to Azar or to one of his other. Yeah, well, he just he, he just let all those uh, folks die of HIV in Indiana, so he's he's already run this playbook before. Well, is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so your your tweet was, yeah. you know, so the VP says, no, I haven't been tested. And then uh, the VP apparently also answered, do you know if Trump has been tested? And, and the VP said, no, I don't know if he's been tested. And your tweet was. He he he, freeze, he freezes and then basically says, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll try to get an answer for you. Right. And then what was your tweet? Do you remember it? No. It, oh, was, it, was, some, it was something like, oh, oh, if he if he had been tested and was shown to be negative, he 100 percent like they would have said so. Right. And I said the uh, I had two other options I can think of. One's insane and one's really insane. Yeah. Yeah. Because so uh, the, I, the insane the insane one. Well, you can pick which one is which, depending on your own sensibilities. But one <laughs> is you didn't test the president. <laughs> the guy who's literally like if they make a poster for this, he's going to be on it, making that little weird mouth like mm-hmm. he is the poster boy for this. OK, so there's that. Uh, and he's been in front of all these people that are exposed to it. The other one is, I mean, I guess, you know. That he was tested, and uh, maybe nobody's told him. Maybe the doctors aren't going to say anything. But like, yeah, that's that's the crazy part. It's like, wh- why would you not test the president if you did test the president and he was negative? They would have said it. Yeah, and so like the the problem with this, like, I, it struck me as like, oh, you know, it just it just killed me. It was so depressing. But you know, pretty quickly you realize that you know the, the universal rule of these situations, which is. Uh, the only reason that logic cascades and depresses you is because you're applying logic and you can just you can knife it immediately and say, uh, you know, would they if he tested and he was negative, would they say anything? And maybe he maybe he'd be so embarrassed that he didn't even want to know that he was tested. And then sure. you would say, oh, do you think they wouldn't test the president? Sure, because he'd be like, nah, I don't want it. And why would he say that? Because yeah, there's a guy on cable today <laughs> saying you don't you don't test for anything that you can't do anything about or something like that, which I thought yeah, weird, like, but... it, there's, there's plenty of plausible things that fall out of that. Most of them are stupid. But the easiest one is like he doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you're right, do you're right. And why wouldn't he want to do it? Because he's stupid. I um want to keep <laughs> doing this show, even though I just solved the puzzle. Okay, the conceit of the show has been solved by me at uh, seven oh six p.m. on Tuesday, March tenth. Um, what did you say? You said that the thing that it makes you crazy because you're trying to apply logic. Mm-hmm. That's what breaks your brain. What breaks br- breaks my brain, I think, is trying to apply hope. Now, I think that jibes nicely with our personalities, and I'll be interested to hear your witty repost to this about how I got that wrong. But my thought is that, yeah, I think for you, that does drive you crazy. That like this, if you, you know, you you start getting sparks coming out of your brain and, and springs and gears and stuff, because it doesn't adhere to even the most basic rational decision making. Well, well, no, it is, it is, it is the opposite. Like your, your tweet initially depressed me, but then I felt better when I realized, wait a second. Yes. It's only depressing if you think that this logical deduction makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because the actors involved are completely not so. And so I felt better about it. And because originally I was like, it opened my eyes like, he's right. Those are the only possibilities. Like, no, 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 no. Those aren't the only possibilities. There's lots of explanations that fit with all the facts that we know. That, yeah, some, somebody, know, like, do, do you think he goes into McDonald's, like on the campaign trail in particular? Do you think he literally, he says, over, and he, do you think he goes in there and orders 
his disgusting hamburgers and then takes them out to... to yeah, Bill Clinton used to do that. Remember he used to go jogging and he'd yeah, stop Yeah, SNL had a funny bit with Phil Hartman. But yeah. in, that, in that case, no. There's somebody who brings him that. Yeah, somebody somebody who yeah. loves him brings him that food every day. Now, when I was in college, I was obsessed with a, a, a kind of famous guy that I'd read an article about in Parade Magazine named Walter, Walter Hudson. He's from the, the somewhere in the New York City area. He's a, he was the guy who weighed 1,400 pounds at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I, I, maybe it was because of the drugs, but I became extremely obsessed with him. And you remember, I wanted maybe Brooklyn, Queens, but they, uh, he got in the news sadly because he would move his bowels every three to four weeks and he'd gotten up to go to the bathroom. He's a big fella and he got stuck in a doorway. And then you remember that? And they had to get him out of a doorway. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. And so, um, not, not that this is anything that I would remember from 1988, but, um, his breakfast every day was a pound of bacon, two pounds of sausage, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of toast. And sometimes his family would bring him a treat for lunch, and they'd bring him four big, four big Macs, four double cheeseburgers, eight large orders of fries, and a, a quart of Coke. And they would just bring that to him. And, um, I mean, I understand, like, I do all kinds of unhealthy things because it makes my kid happy. You know, I, I, I allow mm. many unhappy things in, into life, but, like that's this is the president we're talking about we're not talking about uncle pappy braiding his hair and reading the bible like walter hudson did and then dick, dick gregory came he lost the weight but then he gained it back r.i.p to a real one but like you know it's the president dude like uh if you like him that much do you want him to be alive because it's gonna be i kept trying to think what is the movie i thought it was dark knight rises but maybe it's not there's the movie where like there's no resources and everything's cut off and the newscasters don't have any makeup do you remember? Like, you, th- mm. you can imagine that. And that's kind yeah. of what I'm, I'm imagining this real <laughs> weekended Bernie's, not to be dark, this real weekended Bernie's type thing where there's going to be all, all of these 75-year-old chuds standing up there with red lines <laughs> under their eyes, like the guy in Iran, like mopping his brow. It's just, it's going to be the whole cabinet. It's like... Yeah, I mean, so <sighs> the thing about those weasels is, yes, they're dumb and do dangerous things uh, to, you know, to, but like in the end, uh, I, I, this is the, the cynic's dilemma of always thinking like, are you actually this dumb or are you actively being evil? And most of them are actively being evil. Like mm-hmm. they don't believe it's the nice BS they're saying. Yeah. And so in they, they, you know, they have to go to CPAC and do all that stuff. And yes, they are being foolish, but they scurry like, you know, as soon as their own health is at issue, they're immediately running off. And, and the fact is that they're not all of them are that old, and the percentages are, are pretty good for even people who are super old. So most of them will be fine. You'll lose mm. one or two minor ones. It's not a TV show. It's not going to you know take out <laughs> the important ones. ones. It's not. It's not going to take out the important ones, mm-hmm. the, the politically important ones, because the virus has no idea who has political power. So. Mm-hmm. You know, but but yeah, you know, they're all they're all stupid and they're doing stupid things and they're doing evil things. Like it's it's a nice combination because sometimes they're doing yeah, actively nice evil things, yeah. not actively evil things that they know are bad, and sometimes they're just so incredibly dumb up their own butts that they just do things that are even in their own uh, against their own interests. Like mm-hmm. and as many people have pointed out and continue to point out, good thing Trump doesn't read these things. It was so easy to get a political win out of this. Like you could have done the right thing and come out looking. Oh, he like, could look. He could look so good to it's everybody. So easy. You just have to be able to look past your own like toddler brain for two seconds, but he can't, he can't. That's, he can't. Yeah. I mean, like there's, I, I, I'm sick to death of hearing about the marshmallow experiment, but it's, it's, so it's, it's like it's, the basis of exactly, turns out. Yeah. It's the turns out, original turns out, turns out. But like in that case, it's like, he would not, I don't, I don't think he could do it. 
Like he, his impulse control is so poor. Yeah. All, all you can see is like, uh, people are going to blame me because I would blame me and I'm an idiot. So I, like, it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy to just like, especially when you don't care, especially when you don't care about anything else, especially when you like, you don't care about like money of the economy or jobs or whatever. Just shut it all down and look like a hero. Like, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you're like, it's just, he's so comically bad at everything, uh, which is a blessing and a curse, but it's, it's, it's the easy explanation about why he doesn't any of these things. So yeah, I'm worried about, obviously worried about Bernie, obviously worried about Biden, worried about the mess on the other side, because they're all a bunch of old people, too. Yeah. And Oh, my God, the next, so we're recording this the night of the um, second big raft of primaries, and oh, I'm dreading tonight and tomorrow. Woof. Woof. It's going to be so ugly on liberal Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I Twitter, it, it, I'm... I'm on there too, and I read the things and whatever. But I always have to remind myself, like this is such a small subset of anything, which is why that small subset is often surprised. But when more yeah. than the people who are on Twitter get to vote, it's like really, if you're not on Twitter, you get to vote. It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get I to, do. I'm on Twitter and I vote. <laughs> every everybody who's not black gets to vote. Well, um, <laughs> hey, listen, I read the same magazines you do. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so today is, as I said, uh, Tuesday, March 10th, we're moving on in a second. This will come out approximately, probably the 18th or the 19th. Um, so this is already going to be a week old information. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll all look foolish foolish and hysterical or, uh, it'll just be talking about stuff that everybody already knows. I don't know. People can still be able to go and enjoy their mouse park based holiday. Yeah, no, I've had, you know, I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah, I'll bring up something uh, from my personal experience. I'm trying to convince my parents not to travel. My parents, as you might imagine, are old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, they're in their 70s. I think they should not get on a plane and fly to a state that has more cases than the state they're leaving. I think <laughs> they should not spend their time mingling with more people than they would otherwise mingle with. I think they should not be going to restaurants uh, during the week for dinner if they can possibly help it, which they can. Uh, yeah, I, maybe it was also an opportunity not to uh, go to church and take communion from a priest who's taking things out of a, di- a dish and putting them into your mouth. With that's a very good point. There was a story about some priest that gave it to like a bunch of people. Because and also, but he's he's got to he's got to eat all the leftovers, right? Isn't that part of his his gig? Uh, I don't think that's. Don't that's they part eat all the, the leftovers because anyway. it's Jesus? You and you would think like that's my nasty. parents. That's gonna be nasty. My parents are not. In the, some people are in the situation where they have family that is not uh, intellectually or politically aligned with them, and it's very difficult to talk to them about anything and so on and so forth. That's not my situation. My parents, in theory, are on the same page as me, but trying to convince them... Yeah, you said your, your mom was a... Uh, well, I won't use the word you did, but that she was a very progressive person in her time. A hippie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, right, but, uh, and, like, they, <laughs> they, have, they have the means to, uh, to socially distance themselves and shelter in place. Uh, they should, because they're old and have health problems as old people do like they they're not in the super duper riskiest group because they're not like over 80 or 90 and have lots of serious stuff but right. whatever and every you know the suggestion to them is hey you're both retired mm-hmm. there's no reason you need to do this thing there's no reason you actually need to get on a plane right you can delay that trip and take it later when you're still alive and you would think this would be an easy first of all you would think i wouldn't have to make this i mean like what's, what's two weeks themselves. two weeks put it off two right. weeks a month, whatever. But like, I mean, two two weeks is the period. The and two weeks is is uh, twice as long as it's been since the New Hampshire uh, primary. Yeah, just like just yeah. hang out, reschedule the trip. Don't get on a plane. Don't get on Stop a plane. Stop going to a restaurant. And it's just <sighs> like, 
oh, well, you know, we're washing our hands. And it's like, okay, right. So, and you know, I'm, I am not the government of my parents, so I cannot <laughs> tell them that they must stay inside. No, but no. My, my inability to convince them mm-hmm. with facts and figures is just emblematic of the larger problem. Uh, don't even write that. I'm writing don't it down. Why can't I write that down? That's a good one. Government... Social distancing. It's so, already decided. You've already de- Is this the first time you've ever done this, or is it a thing you always do? I mean, it, I could be wrong. Like, you, I don't oh my know god, the future. you're the one. You're the one because I. You tell me to pick the card, so it feels like my choice. But you're forcing. <laughs> it's called forcing <laughs> look the card. Un- look under your seat, Merlin. Oh god. <laughs> um, send you some pictures I of would Walter never do Hudson. That to you, unlike some people, send you some Walter Hudsons. I'm I'm familiar. Okay. In fact, I believe I believe this second picture. Mm-hmm. I, is the picture that everyone has seen the one? Like, no, it's the one that was in Parade magazine, and because it's on, I don't know. Google is making it hard to steal images, and I hate that. Um, there was one of him with Dick Gregory. This Getty Images one, I think yeah. that's the one. At least that was in Parade magazine. Oh, Lo- Lo- Long Island. He lives on Long Island. The world was a lot smaller back Did then. You know that? That's Did why he lived on Long Island. I did not know that. I don't think I knew that. Huh. But. uh but yeah, like it's it's uh, one of the uh, the quirks of uh, our generation is that we all know this one thing about this one person, and I suppose internet memes will be like that too. But there's so many more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from uh, Newsday, New York Newsday. Um, mm-hmm. that okay, used to be the paper I read as a kid. Is that right? Huh. Yeah, we got Newsday at the house. Um, speaking of New York. You like that? Yeah, smoothly slide right into this. <laughs> Billy's going to be fine. He's just... Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he has that... He's social distancing. <laughs> he's he lives... Stop saying by... that. Stop forcing the card. He's, by, he's living by himself at least let me, or let, me, let me exist. Head, right? <laughs> let me exist in this existential hammock where I get to think I have an impact. You, I mean, you might. We don't oh. know. We don't know the future. Oh. Ooh. Devs. Um, uh, we got some, uh, I thought some, first of all, let me just say last week's episode was weird. Last, last episode recorded was, was kind of a weird one, but it was fun to talk about Billy Joel. Why was it weird? Because we talked about music and you didn't get your guitar out. This is my, that's Uh, my new, like, that's my new white way to get Marlon to to take out his guitar. I'm happy to, sitting right here. Unprompted. Oh. No, because I, 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 that annoys people. Boy, anytime you're on with Roderick though, you can't wait to get the guitar out. No. You can't wait. I, mm. So um, we talked about Billy Joel uh, and his life and work. And in terms of Billy Joel results, we got some nice responses from people. Some people who are like, uh, well, you can tell me what you think. Uh, some people who are like, hey, that's really cool. I forgot, you know, I grew up with Billy Joel. It's like in my DNA. And then some, some of the younger, uh, the young youngs are saying, oh, I, I, I never, I never heard Billy Joel. I didn't hear Billy Joel until my 20s. And I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in about that. I went back and listened even more. And I stand by everything that I said poorly on the show, yeah. which is that he's I, great and his songs are fantastic and his bridges are legendary. What I did was I went to Apple Music, which I have a subscription to so I can yell at my cylinder and make it play things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I added all the stuff I didn't have in my collection because I've got, of course, I've got all the hits, yeah, right? Sure. But, but I didn't have all the other stuff. In fact, a lot of the stuff I hadn't heard since it played in my house on vinyl. Really? Yeah, because like, I didn't, like, in my personal music collection, I had I I had the greatest hit CD collection and I had a couple other individual CDs. Uh and maybe I had some cassettes that, you know, yeah. fell by the wayside when cassettes went away, but I did not even completely replace my parents' vinyl collection. And so over the years it's like when when is the last time I heard all of that? Oh, and you know, I I'm thinking about what you're saying here. This it it does make sense where uh <laughs> what do they say in in um 
in Annie Hall, even Freud, you know, believed in a, in a latent period. We all go through this period where like, yeah, you might come back. You love this as a kid. You come back to it maybe later on, but like there must have been a time in your life where you were like, oh, I don't think so. I'm not going to go buy the new Billy Joel album. You know what I mean? Even if you could like afford it. I, I never had that time, but I also didn't have the time that said, let me go buy that album that my parents played all the time. Mm. Hmm. You know, yeah. like I didn't like Air Supply is another example. They used to play Air, Air Supply and uh, Linda Ronstadt and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Like these are this wow. is what I heard in my house on, on vinyl. <laughs> OK. Right. Because, uh-huh. you know. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while. Not that I had any disdain for that because I would liked it. But when I was buying my own music, I'm buying, you know, my music. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm buying, oh, yeah. You know, REM YouTube. If it costs, if it costs anything at all, it's like spam. Like if it costs right. anything at all. Whereas like with Spotify, I'll just go tink, 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 hit some green hearts and just add like these six albums to my collection yeah. and so that's the thing i'm forgetting to do is like you don't this is not a for, well first of all i'd long since said oh you know i do like those things that my parents played probably because they played them on vinyl when i was yes. a kid let me go grab the you know the big songs that i remember but even then because i was buying it i wouldn't be like well i'm not gonna buy the whole album we'll just buy like the three tracks that i care about sure but now that i have all these you know streaming subscription services i can just go Add, 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 I added all uh, Billy Joel's entire catalog to my collection, most of which, you know, like there's a big overlap with what was already there. And it just says you already have this. Mm-hmm. Like half the songs were already rated because they're in my collection, but a bunch weren't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I literally haven't heard the song since, you know, since either you sent me a YouTube clip of some really old Billy Joel thing or since it was playing in my house on vinyl. So I, I'm enjoying that. Did you look at any? Did you follow any of those links to the the live shows? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I saw oh, pretty great. your live music stuff you sent me. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so let's get to the uh, the second order Billy Joel results. As you uh, come back over the collection, uh, talk about anything you want, but I would love to know what all the, the obvious questions. What really jumped out at you? Where did you get a blast of good nostalgia? Where did you go? This is better than I thought. And where did you go? Hmm, I remember this being better. I uh, I think, or again, yeah, however you want to respond. I think a lot of it was. I, my memory of what some of the songs from especially the early albums were like and what they're actually like don't quite match because in my mind's eye like i can what i hear is like the song inflected by the other songs that i know more and you know and he sounds as as is true of many artists that have long careers so unlike themselves so unlike their sort of middle period selves because their voice is higher and mm, you know just yeah. the the production is a little bit different or whatever uh and i enjoy that it was kind of like hearing it sort of for the first time and then like there's a couple of things where the album track is different than the later single which i either never knew or totally a different forgot. recording I, like shorter and like an edit uh, i don't know what was the one like like a different take like uh different vocal performance uh different instrumentation it's the same song right but i remember all of his songs seeming so much longer when i was a kid like when when nylon curtain came out and um both allentown and um goodnight saigon in my head goodnight saigon is like an album side like i guess my sense of time has gotten kind of warped yeah I and mean, those songs were kind of long I, and the, the other thing speaking of the videos and stuff is the one the one i sent you where it was like <laughs> Uh, Colbert does the thing where he has uh, music artists on and he asks them what their top five favorite songs by themselves. Yeah, right. You know, like uh, what, you know, you got. Yeah, it's Bill Springsteen Joel on. did it. And he said v- Vienna, right? No, it was a v- No, no, it's uh, You May Be Right. I think he said it was his favorite, right? Well, no, you got, you, know, you didn't you didn't get it on that one. So the, I, I sent you that video. Yeah, because of the impersonations. Uh, well, that, but I said, wait for it, because at a certain point he does name his top songs and he's like, he goes, well, I like the album tracks and he names a bunch of obscure things. Then he throws in a couple of hits or whatever, but then he gets to his number one. And what is it? Scenes from Italian Restaurant, which oh, was my, right. my instinctive emotional pick as well. And I was like, 
You and me, Billy. Hmm. I'm doing still, the same with my eyes. I know, with, you, two. with the two fingers. I'm doing the same thing. Um, yep. Well, then I have, um, uh, I, I, have, I have a fact and an anecdote. A fact that was sent to me uh, by a friend of mine named John Syracuse. What did you send me at uh, 10, 11, 12, 1, 1 36, uh, p.m. Eastern time? Today? You sent me a, today's a momentous day. Uh, oh, yeah, someone tweeted, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Glass Houses <laughs> was released today how many years ago today was glass houses it's got to be 15 15 years ago 20 years yeah ago. 15 20 years ago yeah. today glass house no actually it was 40 uh, it's 40 years ago that i was listening to that and then my fact i'm not piling on here but i have to say as i went back through um that if i had to look at the delta on how i felt about one of his whatever songs albums uh, at the time well like glass houses was the only full-length billy joel recording that i owned and i listened to it a lot a lot a lot a lot to where you like I, there's still certain songs where uh, my daughter loves this, where I can anticipate how the song begins. I start singing it before it's on. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, I got too lonely. Like, like I, I still, that's in my DNA. But, but, uh, 40 over 40, um, I think this is the album per se, album qua album that I have, uh, that I think has fallen the furthest in my estimation. It's, it's really dated. It's very, he's trying, he's trying to be like cool dad, but uh, it's still got great songs on it, but who said that you were the one like, <laughs> yeah. but like, I mean, look not, at, just look at the, co- the just look at still the cover of the great. album. Just look at the cover of the album. I, like, yeah, you know, the back, look at the back. It's got a little twist. If you look at the back, he's looking through the, the hole in the window. How cool is that? Can I see the back on, uh... um, you can see it on, um, uh, the internet science site. They've really got it. Mm, all right. And I think it might have also been on the, but you know, but I mean, like, and, and I have to say, like, it's not, I don't think it's bad, but like, given how much I loved, you may be right, um, at the time and all for Lena and sleeping with the television on, I, I this is not in front of me right now. These are, I literally, I listen to this cassette so much, but I've, I gotta say though, man, I go back and you, um, obviously 52nd street, but also, uh, the stranger, they just, they still sound really good. The songs still kick ass. Are you appreciating those? Uh, appreciating the bridges? I always have. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. they're good. You're OG bridge appreciator. Although the bridge, uh, that album is one of my least favorite. Uh, whoa, whoa! You just blew my mind, dude. Yeah. So thank you to people uh, for listening to the program. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's got the UPC next to his face. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, William Joel. Um. So, well, here's the reviews. What did Chris Gow give it? Chris Gow do it. Chris Gow gave it a B. Damn. That's pretty good for Chris Gow. Close to the borderline. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever it is you want to do. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do what you got to do. It's your site, baby. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. They also have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name All of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've had occasion uh, to uh, create some new areas on my own Squarespace site lately. 
I uh, recently updated my uh, playlist page uh, in Squarespace. Uh, I, I recently uh, uh, created a, a single serving site that explains why I say uh, uh, bok bok on back to work. And it's just, it's fun and it's easy. You go in, you drag some stuff around and you're done. Boom. Squarespace. Go. Get it. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can start a free trial right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Streetcar. And when you decide to sign up, use the very special offer code diffs to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And it will show your support for John Syracuse. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Did we cover Billy Joel results? Yep. Are you satisfied with your care? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had an idea. I, I, where's the doc? I had an idea for a topic this week that I'm kind of excited about. Mm-hmm. Did you see it under topics? Uh, I see a lot of stuff there. Which, which one are you talking about? The first one. Sure. Um, cause this is kind of up your alley. Oh, oh, first of all, when I was riding my Segway to the office today, uh, I saw a really wild car. I saw this blue. <laughs> this is, this is a fun game. I play uh, a fun game that I imagine uh, lots of car people play. Yeah. Uh, cause to non car people like cars are, uh, you know, mostly undifferentiated. They and are. So a car no, person they they will, are factually undifferentiated. A, a car person will get excited when a non car person is excited by a car. They're like, Oh, I saw, I saw a car today. And, and you're like, wow, we, we can now share an interest. And it's this game. This we is play. why I wanted you to get into the McElroy's and you broke my heart on that. I thought we could uh, have something to bond over besides Max. Well, I mean, it's a little bit different. If I if I did try to describe describe a bit, I think we both like your family. That's that's one thing we share. We both like your family. Yeah, I think I like it more than you do. Probably anyway. So this is the point where you try to describe the car that you saw that you thought was cool, and I and I try to guess what kind of car it was based on your description. It had it had. I think it had four or six wheels. Not <laughs> yeah, right. the wheels may have been round, but they also <laughs> might have been square. I'm not going to commit to that. They looked disappointed that that there was not uh, a manual transmission available. Mm-hmm. Looked very disappointed. Mm-hmm. No, it's totally a Tesla, uh, but it was real balloonfy looking and had like a matte <laughs> a matte so blue finish. T- Tesla makes like five cars total. Has ever made five cars total? So this narrows it down. They're all such family trucksters. They're gonna look. They're gonna look so stupid in ten years. Nah, the, the model. Oh, come on! Good. It's gonna look the way like a Thunderbird, like an '84 Thunderbird looks. Nah, nah. yeah. It'll They're be okay. long and lean and fast, making Thunderbirds. Anyway, so you saw. I'm assuming you saw a Model X because that is. <laughs> I sound like I sound like Alex. Um, yeah, I saw a Tesla today. That's the story. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just, I was riding my Segway. Like I said, I was riding my Segway, looking real cool. Got a new mm-hmm. backpack, riding my Segway down the street and uh, down the sidewalk like a gentleman. And uh, this balloonfy blue Tesla with some kind of, it had some kind of stupid vanity license plate, of course. Mm-hmm. But like, so that's a model. Wait, now it's SEX, right? Uh, no, because S-E-X-S? I thought they spelled sex. The middle one is a three. Sorry. Oh, he's being lead. And it wasn't even the middle one. It did the S, then the X. Yeah, then yeah, the three. but still, I mean, he's doing like he's doing elite, uh, elite word jumble. Maybe mm-hmm. it's hard to say. What's the next him. one going to be called? Is that going to uh, like sexy? No, he's going back to remember the original one was the Roadster. I don't know if you remember that the original oh. Tesla It was like a little convertible thing. So oh, he's okay. making the Roadster again. There's oh, also like, a, like it's the, like a Miata. There is a Y though. Speaking of sexy, there there is a Y coming. Okay, cool. So you'll have you'll have sexy roadster. Well, anyway, that was the story. Is that it was, I was like, well, that's wild. I guess that's a Tesla, huh? And you it was see them sometimes. 
Hmm? Was it actually matte or was it just dirty? That's always the question with cars. <laughs> it really, I mean, it's still pretty light out here. Um, it's only just getting to be near sundown now. Um, but yeah, no, it was It was like, um, let's find out. Tesla, matte. Matte is the wrong word. It, definitely not shiny. Yeah, matte's the right word for non-glossy well, I mean, gonna, non-glossy oh, paint on cars. Tends to go look for Tesla matte paint. Yeah, You can see cars. People do that to their cars. Some people like it. It's a style. It's weird you don't think this is gonna look dated the model x looks gross now dated forget okay. it the model x right. looks is disgusting now it is never going to look good because it is it. funny as long as we're talking about cars then we're going to talk about cars no, uh, our spoiler slot this week is cars uh, cars the concept um but uh <laughs> <laughs> but um cars against humanity yeah. seen cars against humanity already seems like a masterpiece in retrospect um so uh but there's like it's so funny, like, you would have such a classic sort of, like, American uh, GM look in the 70s. We're like, oh, yeah, that's a big GM. Like, you, you know that that is, that's going to have that Delco radio in it, and, like, that's just a pretty cool. And then, I don't know, what happened in the 80s, the fashion, as you like to say. I do remember the Thunderbird in particular looking like an ibuprofen. It was very upsetting. Except it was red, because, of course, you're going to be red car guy. Um and, uh, but there's, there's been other instances of that. I mean, where you take like a, a pretty amazing look and then really dork it up. It's like in the, it's like in the eighties when everybody put awnings over their restaurant mm-hmm. or like had atria. Like why do you have do you, an atrium? You, it's a Chick-fil-A. Do you remember awnings on people's residential homes mm-hmm. over their windows? Yeah. Like a vacation home, especially. Yeah. It would even just regular people's homes. That was a thing. And they were made of various materials. Some The ones that were cloth blessedly, you know, rotted and went away. But some of them were made from like metal type, like, you know, aluminum things. That oh, like yeah, painted yeah aluminum. definitely aluminum. It would be that kind of like that sawtooth sort of, not sawtooth, yeah. but, you know, the, the sine I mean, wave. I, I, and, and like in some places in the country, you do need to have big overhangs so you do, mm-hmm. your house doesn't fry, especially in the days before super duper good uh, air conditioning or any air conditioning at all. But where I lived, that wasn't the case. We didn't have a sun problem. And yet there was this brief moment where someone came through, someone came through the the, the suburbs of the of New York City. And <laughs> this, then, is, this is more of a, <laughs> this is more, what does what is, what is Lyle Landley Shel- say? More of a Shelbyville uh, idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, um, yes, yes, exactly. Where you come uh, through. Uh, Ogdenville, I remember. Ogdenville, anyway, that's it. And sold <laughs> tons of people, like, a giant aluminum awnings that covered, like, the top third of their windows, and then they just sat there on the house until some developer bought it, ripped them out, and yeah, got it and you rip flipped out. it. Like yeah. those fancy linoleum floors. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of sad about, like, uh, my, I think we're talking about a grandparent's house in Levittown that they, mm-hmm. you know, they raised their family in, lived in, and died in. Um, and... It was it was like it was like a museum. Like they they fixed it up, but they fixed it up when they were young. Were they, remind spry me, were they, the, they were the original owners of it. Yeah, they were the original owners of this house, and, and it, there came, were changes it came with and, like they didn't have like a fireplace in between rooms and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Uh, and the fruit tree in the backyard that died because fruit trees don't grow that well there. Hmm. Um, and they they put an addition on it, like so many people did. And there was they they made a big addition off the back for a big dining room, and they had a little uh, yeah, concrete uh, patio in the back, and you know they it did changes and everything, but. In the end, like they they got old and stopped doing anything to the house, and so yeah. it got frozen in time. Oh, and that's so, when, so interesting! And so when they died, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the house was sold out from under them. Before we sold the house, I went in there and took a whole bunch of pictures. It's like it's you know this house could have you. This is like color photography from the fifties and sixties, like like this, a Kodachrome, way oversaturated photos of like teal and. Pink right, and, but like, but but it was like with modern. Well, at the time, modern cameras, 
this is how it looked in, you know, 1957. And it has not changed since. They've got oh, the same so furniture, the same appliances, more or less. There are some as a microwave and there wasn't a microwave before. But in general, mm-hmm. same wallpaper, the same floor, the same yeah, we're talking rug, about how old people furniture. hang on to stuff forever. Like my, my grandparents had the same coasters, the same exact same pair of mm-hmm. scissors, probably since the 30s. Yeah. And so that was it was fun to do that. But then, of course, when it was sold, it was sold to a developer who immediately <laughs> just ripped everything out of it. Put, oh, you're uh, breaking all, Roderick's heart. All new, uh, you know, because because you have to you can't sell like if you went into that house, you'd be like, this is an old person's house. And no, not because it smelled like old person. Yeah, but <laughs> that too. Yeah. But like you'd go in there and you'd see you, not only would you know it's an old person house, you'd know it's an old Italian person's house. <laughs> 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 not, it was it was you could have like they could have Martin Scorsese could have used it as a set unmodified. The just other come ones right you couldn't in, even sit in. Just come right in and start shooting. It is ready for you. The hoof, the hoof. Yeah. Right. And so you have yeah. to change that. And so they bought it and changed it. And that's like, you know, it's the thing I think about when ripping all the awnings. Like you go by that house today and it's like, boy, this house. And it's true of all the houses in Levantine. If you look around. They all started as one of a couple of models. Yeah. You look, you drive down the street now and you're like, none of these houses look alike because they've been just so overhauled by. Oh, and they had like little miniature oh, like evolutions over time at different times reflecting yeah. different arc. Yeah. There's a thing out here called the, out here in the sunset and really into the further into the outer, outer sunset um, called a Dolger house. And there was this guy that um, I think he was one of the first people to build actual residential housing out on the sand dunes in Mainly starting in the 20s, but especially after World War II. It was a lot of GIs and their families moved into these, like, I don't know. I think it was like, like $10,000 out the door, something like that. Um, but these, but yeah, but you could basically get this model. It's the same as in Florida. It's the same probably as anywhere. The bones of the house are going to, in this row on this block, the bones are going to be pretty much all the same, slightly different floor plans, right? And then basically you get to pick like what kind of facade you want and then what color. And it is weird. Like if you did a time lapse of like a hundred years, 80 years of that, it'd be so wild to see how different things happen at different times. It'd be an explosion of activity and then nothing, right? Until they find the bodies, you know? Yeah. And and you're right that it, it goes in bursts and, and like people's different tastes and zoning laws. Like in many, many of the houses in Levittown, these monstrous things sort of like, it's like there was a smaller house there, like like putting a <laughs> crown on a tooth. Like just this, this huge monstrous thing right. of a whole other house goes on it and it's pushing against the edges of its property on oh, all sides. Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. Like, what a bummer. How can that house, like it started out as this little Levitt house and now it's yeah. this giant thing, but it's on the same lot. And, you know, other ones, I'm sure they do have done teardowns and, you know, whatever. But in general, most of them, I think, are remodeled. Because if you peek, you can look at the window openings and hold the little template. And like, oh, mm-hmm. I know which model this was. Look at the windows. And, yeah, they're, they're different yeah. windows now. They're Anderson windows and they're bigger. But look where the openings are. They didn't move the openings. It was pretty wild, though, in, um, in Florida. So when I moved, uh, when my family moved to Pasco County in 1979, um, I mean, there were still lots of, you know, I mean, there was, there was stuff there. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there was schools and groceries and stuff, but you, if you drove five or eight minutes away from that grocery store, you know, there were a bunch of cows in a field with a fence. And there's a lot of that, like sporadically throughout the city, there was a lot of weird city planning. I don't know if you ever encountered that thing where there's a road and then the road stops and then theoretically it restarts on the other side of this land because they, mm-hmm. they decided what the road was and how it was going to do before they'd acquired the property, I guess. I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff like that, but you know, in a fairly short period of time, it got real built up. And as I have uh, said way too many times, I haven't said it in a while. Um, when I was 13, I believe it was when I was 13, maybe 14, I had the honor of living in the oldest state, uh, median age. 
the oldest state, which was Florida, um, the oldest county, which was Pasco, <laughs> and the oldest, I believe at the time, it was it might have been Elfers, but I want to say it was Colonial Hills 3 and 4. Uh, and the median age, you take five people, you line them up, third person's 58 years old. And so, like, a lot of those folks died. You know, they eventually they got the stone lawn with the pebbles, and they yell at you if your Frisbee hits the pebbles, mm-hmm, I hear. Mm-hmm. But, like, but then what happens? They all, in a space of 20, 25 years, you know, uh, the older folks died. The, the, you know, the parents and grandparents died, and somebody got that house. And it was so interesting how it went from when we moved there, it was very much a service economy but it was, you know, for servicing senior citizens, right? There's a lot of urology clinics and, you know, <laughs> uh, op, 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 ophthalmologists and all that kind of stuff. But it, then it became a different kind of service industry. And this is just anecdotal, but I'm telling you, if you look at the what happened between, say, 1984 and about, say, 89 or 90, um, it became, like, for servicing old people over here to increasingly more of this economy of, like, people who work at that 7-Eleven... You know, serving people who work at the Walmart, who serve people that work at the furniture to go. It was just, it's all like just service industry and retail. That was, that was the whole shooting match. And I think a lot of it was, I mean, you try to figure out the finance between, or the money part of this. And I think what happened a lot of times is, as I've said to you, a lot of folks from, you did you count, you say Connecticut's in the tri-state area, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You don't you don't you don't count Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Come on. So anyway, people from the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, what they would do is they would buy a house again, like out the door, twenty grand in nineteen sixty-five. They might come in the summer times and stay there. Like that's a they got a free place to stay for, you know, uh, for the winter or whatever, right? But then that's where they move to retire with their usually pretty good union jobs in the tri-state area, which includes Pennsylvania. And then they moved, they moved, they came down here and they had their kids and they're like, or, you know, or like, you know, you go like, I had my kids in New York. I don't want to pay a bunch of blah, blah. And so um, then they died. And I think what happened was a lot of people inherited a house. They had a place to live and probably not a whole lot of extra dough. And uh, it became pretty grinding. Don't recommend it. Not a good place to live. Sorry. No offense. You mean Florida. Oh, in general, you, you almost made me say it your way. God, you're I could, I could, I just want to, I just want to saw the whole damn thing off. Florida, they're so much better. Florida, yeah. it's America's wang. Yeah, did you see that uh, thing? I, I sent you a link. I was trying to look for the different uh, Levitt house models, and I was googling, uh-huh. uh, and this is an article about Levittown, and it has a picture oh, with I a see. caption, and the picture, the caption under the picture reads, "A typical Levitt house of the late 1950s." Mm-hmm. That's my grandparents' house. And not literally, but with that with that cool overhang thing, the dormer uh, or whatever, not a dormer. Yep. What do you call that? Yep, that's cool. I mean, they did. I think they did a different, uh, like they, they modified the dormers a little bit to make a little more headroom. But yeah, my hmm. my uh, gra- my my mother and aunt's bedroom had the ceilings that you'd bang your head on. <laughs> no kidding. Now, so the photos that you, I, I misunderstood you at first. Did so when your grandparents left the house for whatever reason, you you no, they died. That's how they left the house. <laughs> When your old grandparents died and you went there to do some preservation efforts, you found old photos or you took new? No, I took I took new photos, which were like the photos that you could have taken okay. in the 50s if you had time traveled with a digital camera. Have you have I ever seen those? Uh, I, I bet you so. can find them because you're real good at tagging. Yeah, I, it's it's lots of pictures of like silverware and drawers. But yeah, I can send you a couple of them. Not just on sets. I was going to state sale. <laughs> 
God. I mean, yeah, I was also there. You know, it was, it was the family was going through and taking basically after all of the 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 children of my grandparents had taken had, had amongst themselves divided up, you know, whatever they wanted. <laughs> the booty. The, the, yeah, the, well, there wasn't much. The grandchildren were allowed to come in and say, "If there's anything left in this house that you care about, oh, you, can you can take it." Because if you don't, of the Italian booty. Because yeah, because if you don't, <laughs> the junk people are going to come and it's all going out. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, boy, I was about to say something really racist. Um, yeah, I'll say it. So, um, I, I used to be friends with twins. Uh, luckily they were fraternal. They were fraternal, not identical because identical twins are very, very creepy. So I've heard. But Tony, Anthony and, uh, Kathy Yavicoli, Javicoli, as we used to say in school, they were the first, they were my first Italian house. And, uh, it was pretty wild. Like when you're from a very white people Republican <laughs> house, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But going to well, and I think they, their parents must have done real well. They had a really cool house, and so we went to elementary school together. And they were really, they're cool kids. But man, their house smelled so weird to me. Going into <laughs> some, not just the Italians are. Let's be honest, the worst. I don't know how you people do it, but like any kind of like ethnic foods could be curries. Um, it could be, I mean, just other people's houses smell so weird. And then like when I come home from a trip, if I've been away for like more than a week, our house smells weird to me. Hmm. Well, it's like, I don't recognize my own baby, John. You do have a weird cat and a lizard there. So this is before that. This is in the before (laughs) times. All right. Anyway, uh, Tony, uh, Tony and Kathy, if you're still out there and still kicking, you know, give me a shout. Cole Rain Avenue. You know what I'm saying? And this picture of Walter Hudson of the the figure of where he's wrapped in the sheet mm-hmm. is that an Airsats elevator? Uh, I'm not sure it goes because do you it think it's a big be, man? Is it a big man swing? I think it might just be a transport mechanism. <laughs> okay, all right. Like you go laterally and not you got up and you got down. you got to get it, it's in the book. I just said the name of a lemony snicket book, huh? Hmm. Look at that. I, th- I I thought I was being original when I said Airsats elevator. I was not original at all. Um, oh, so here's what happened. What had happened was, hi, welcome. This is our third and final segment. Um, what had happened was, as I was, um, I can never remember when it's okay to say I've watched something. Let's just say that I was watching in a theater or home. I was watching a recent automobile movie. Um, it's Ford v. Ferrari. And it was uh, way better than I expected. I don't know what I expected, but I guess I thought it was going to be like Fast and the Furious, but like an angry buddy. Fast, picked. Fast and the Furious. Did you see the trailers for it? No, no. I don't, I don't, right. I don't, I don't watch trailers. Um, okay. No, no, but but like I, I really, really enjoyed it. So, okay, so here's the thing. The secret that I'm going to tell you, the secret that those Hollywood fat cats don't want you to know, there's three faster ways to get on the <laughs> freeway. No. Um, oh, God. What's his name? Uh, Gil. He's got, he's got an Armenian like... Oh, what's the guy's name? Chuck Chuck Garabedian. That's it. Remember mm-hmm. Chuck Garabedian? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the Italians, we've covered that. <laughs> the Armenians, we got that. The old people, we got that covered. I was watching Ford v. Ferrari, and I, uh, so the secret, the secret those fat cats don't want you to know is that this is mostly an excuse to just talk a little bit of car stuff, but um, the, the news peg for this is I wanted to talk about, well, ha, John, let me ask you a question. What is it that makes for a good car movie and i want to talk about some car movies and i want to talk about what you think makes them good i thought that might be kind of fun do you like car movies i saw ford v ferrari recently i thought it was really good uh, i thought it was okay 
Yeah. I mean, it's got that usual, like, okay, we get it. These guys are going to be an unlikely duo, and, oh, Christian Bale's a hothead, and, like, all that kind of stuff. But, like, I, I thought both their performances were terrific. Um, but I th- also thought it was, to get us back on topic, I did think it was a very good car movie. I thought, and, and so that's what I wanted to interrogate. I've made a list of a few of mine, and I thought maybe we could compare lists and talk about, well, do you like car movies, John Sirkisa? Do you like any car movies? My my initial reaction for like what makes a good car movie is very similar to what makes a good insert uh, inanimate object movie. Uh, and like, like for a dildo? me, for me, I suppose. Okay, uh, I think they make those as a different genre, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, the the personal answer is being young is a key ingredient because I used to love bike movies, car movies, mm-hmm. train movies, airplane movies, especially. airplane movies. Yeah, sure. Um, but when you're a kid, as established on The Incomparable, kids have bad taste, uh, and it's very easy to be entertained by a terrible movie if it features a cool airplane, mm-hmm. a cool bicycle, a cool car of any kind. Like Harrison the bar Ford is low. might have Harrison Ford. Yeah, the, the bar the bar is low. Um, to actually have a movie that reads to me as an adult as a good movie and also can be called a car movie is yeah. very difficult. All right, I understand. Very, very difficult. So I have lots All of... All right, I had a feeling this is what we were going to be doing. And so I have prepared, and these are some of my, these are my opening remarks for the car discussion. First of all, that you're no rock and roll fun, breaking it up into pieces like that. Shame on you. Mine are <laughs> movies I have seen. Now, you're going to want to, you're going to, listen or skip over that and move on to the next thought, but it's so important you understand. These are movies that I have seen. So mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about movies that I've seen what about movies you haven't seen? I'm you, not going to talk do, about... Have you forgotten about those? The movies I haven't seen? Yeah. I haven't seen those, and so they wouldn't be on my list because that I, would be I, weird. I think, I think you forgot those. Oh, man. You, you just landed. The eagle has landed. You did it. Yes. I'll keep going anyway. And <laughs> no, no, going. so I'm sorry. No, I haven't seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies. I kind of liked a couple of them. But no, mm. it's not on my list because I haven't seen it. Like, if mm-hmm. I've seen it, you know, Venn Diagram, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's got to be. And so that's mine. So mine is, and like, depending on, uh, is it a car movie? Oh, you have a whole freaking podcast about this fake baloney <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, like, is a, is a taco a sandwich? Oh. Yeah, well, but, well, I'm in and out in like 10 minutes, though. You got to give me that. What is What even is morning? <laughs> You're like grief, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Like a morning. Coat. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do all all homonyms next. My, season, mo- <laughs> my morning jacket. Hey, listen. Sometimes sounds words sound like other sounds. So close, so close. I should not <laughs> I got not in close. One. Not, not got close in at all, one. And so, what is a car movie? I don't know, but mm-hmm. it will become clearer when I start when I start naming these movies that I'm sure any doofus could name mostly. Uh, and why do you like them? Because the car stuff in it is good. The stunts are good. The photography is good. A lot of times the music and sound design is good. So anyway, now that you've problematized me, that's my, that's my response. All right. So let's hear from some movies from your list. Um, let me see. Well, okay. So, so let me start with a weird one, which is, oh, I can, can I, can you I do. try to predict your list? Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I don't know everything that you've seen, but here is my, well, one of them I'm cheating based on something you, you said want, Do you want a number on how many I have here? Uh, One, two, no, I don't, three, I don't know. Four, I, five, six, seven. Uh, I'll be six happy and a half. I, six and a half. I'll be happy if I can get three. That's oh, my goal. come on. I'm, I'm, a, I'm such a normal guy. Like, you're, all right. Well, anyway, well, I, you got to know you, number one. 
which is not my number one, but should be your number one pick. What I thought you were hinting at before, which I may be wrong about, is I thought you were hinting at American Graffiti. Is that on your list? Uh, it is on. I have two things that are not that. Well, no, it's not on my list. But I, I did want to include that here because it's not the kind of car movie that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm talking about right. stunts a lot of the time, but All that right. is a car culture movie. So it's a car movie. No, but you were close. I, I wrote it down here. It's just not in my bullets. All right, I got I got two more guesses to try to get mm. some of my three. That's yeah. like the NPR quiz show type thing. Um, mm. um, I'm going to go for bullet. Yep. All right. And then the third one, I'm going to go. You're leaving so many on the table. There's so many you could so easily guess. <laughs> do the comedy option and say Herbie the Love Bug or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But I'm not going to do that. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, bang is a crime against humanity and no child... <laughs> No, no, that every copy of that movie should be located and destroyed because you do not need to be a vulnerable person to see the child snatching man and be completely freaked out. The child snatching man, I forget his name, but he freaked me out so bad. That's a bad car movie, John. Yeah. Uh, Herbie Love Bug's not not great either. I'm going to go for my third pick. (laughs) This is, this is risky, but I think it would be fun if I got, I'm going to say Fury Road. Is that on there? Yep. All right, pretty good. Two out of three. Okay, so three. you said Bullet American Graffiti. Um, and of course, I'm not even going to attempt to do this with you, but it's fun to do it with me because you never know. Um, Bullet, um, Blues Brothers, Drive, Fury Road, The Driver, Baby Driver. And this is close to American Graffiti. I'm not going to technically include it on my list, but I kind of think Taxi Driver is a car movie, even though it mm. doesn't meet my exact definition of a mm. car movie. I'm going to say no on the taxi driver. Mm. But yeah, you got, you got, you got bullet and you got fury road. I mean, both of those just like terrific stunts. I mean, fury road, I fury road guys. That's a gimme. You just got, let, let me have fury road. It's okay if you don't like it, but John and I did, I think a whole episode about it. Pretty I thought good. it was, I thought it was majestic and seeing it in the theater. I have a, you know, I have spreadsheets. One of my spreadsheets I keep track of is most memorable movie experiences at least in terms of my memory most unexpected movie experiences you go in not expecting anything or or just like or just like something wild happened like my friend darren and i went to see blackbeard's ghost with peter ustinoff and we had to sit in the front row and uh and we heard our necks really bad and i always remember that and i also remember that this is back in the day when they let you if it was like near the end of the movie they'd let you in and then let you stay and just see the next one Hmm. um i saw a ton of movies like that in the 70s in the 70s you just go to the theater this would explain a lot <gasps> oh, did we, did you, you did know we, what? Have we made progress today? <laughs> I think we're done. I think I think you now you solved my riddle. I didn't even know I had a riddle when you solved it. That's where it started. Going in to see the Pink Panther with my mom. If you and know what just I mean. wandering whenever. Eh, whatever. It's okay. I've seen, it's very ambitious. Did you see? Did you see the Pink Panther? I've seen about the last third. <laughs> it's, it's the reverse though. Now I only see the I see the beginning of Jojo Rabbit four times before I see the end. <sighs> Mm, my God, that movie's good. Um, and so, do 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 do. What was I? What was I talking about? Bullet Blues Brothers. Um, wait, what, what was I saying? You're talking about car movies. Oh, but yeah, but where'd I leave off? Hmm. Um, oh, Fury Road. We need a younger oh, person. Well, you know, on this I know, I know, I know. Uh, memorable uh, movie experiences. Yes, uh, Fury, Fury Road being one. Yeah, yeah, because it was really fun. Because my wife and I, like, uh, so we got to visit my in-laws out in gold country and they were able to watch our kid and we got to go on a date by which I mean, we went to a movie theater and drove back a five mm-hmm. minute drive. But uh, yeah, seeing Fury road in the theater. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. I was saying to somebody 
you know, on Twitter the other day, like when, when he's so he, he eats the lizard thing, he has to jump in the car, he takes off, right? And then there's that silence for a second, for like probably a second and a half, two seconds, and then the cars come roaring around either side of you. That was like, one, I mean, like I really felt that when that happened. And that's okay. So that's a good example, though, to get us back to the topic of what we're talking about. For me, anyway, is like I'm not a person. How does one say without making enemies? I'm not the biggest fan of automobiles in general. You're not a car person. I'm not a car person. Now I used to be a car person, not as much as you, but like I could tell a '64 and a half from a '65, from a '66, from a '67, from a fastback. I could tell all the Mustangs apart. I knew the hex grill versus this grill. I knew the pony interior. Like I desperately loved Mustangs when I was a kid. Of course, I wanted a Trans Am. After you know Burt Reynolds and Sally Field, um, but no, it's uh, this is a I, I mean this purely on like a spectacle and cinematic level, and in the example of Baby Driver in particular, which I enjoy less every time I see it, and I actually think it may be not that great a movie, but it is a good car movie. It's I mean when he does the thing in the alley with the brake, sure. that's yeah. awesome. But like the combination of I mean, obviously, it's Edgar Wright. This He's, to my mind, the master of this, short of maybe, well, like an Umbrellas of Sherborne kind of thing. But he's so good at that combination of action, the way he's shooting and blocking stuff and planned it out, right? Storyboarded. Like, with the the music, the sound, and then the edit. His editing to music is so bananas. I bet there's people who've seen Baby Driver. There might be people who've seen Baby Driver twice, and they think the opening sequence has a few Easter eggs. Not realizing that someone is there is someone or something acting out every sentence in the song, and you could not do that without being an incredible planner, editor, uh, you know, cutting the music, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I include Baby Driver in that, even though it's it's, I mean, Bullet's not like a good movie. It's not like a Taking a Pelham one two three. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's that's where I am with these. Um, yeah, I don't think you have to be a good movie to be a good car movie. That's what I was getting at. Mm. Me personally be appreciating them more when I was younger because all you needed was the cool car or the cool scene with the cool car. I like, watched the Dukes a... of Hazard because of Daisy oh, Dukes' yeah. butt and the General Lee. Well, yeah, you know what? I... I take it back. I liked a lot about the Dukes of Hazard, but I loved but the General Lee. Dukes of Hazard predates my appreciation of Daisy Dukes' butt. Do you believe that? Uh, I well, you know, all, you're edgy. All of my... Yeah. All of my Dukes of Hazard watching was entirely about the cars. You were born when Led Zeppelin was still good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Anyway, as a, Fury Road is a great example because it happens to be a good movie that is also oh, a, a good car movie. movie. It's, it's, a, a, you know, it's, movie. it's so rare to have that. Now, the thing about car movies for car people uh-huh. is like it's it's true of any, any enthusiast for any sort of hobby or area of interest. It's very difficult for there ever to be a movie that is satisfying to insert whatever people. So say you're you're super into soccer. It's like, again, it's like my wife watching Grey's Anatomy where she's like, yeah, yes, exactly. You, you don't just take out somebody's kidney, have an argument with somebody over the patient in front of their family and then go drop it into a baby with an exposed heart. Like that's like, (laughs) this would not happen like that. But but the thing is, she's not like a a medicine person in the same way that like a soccer fan would be a soccer fan, but a soccer fan wants to see a movie. They want to lawful good. She is lawful good though. But you do want to see like, a movie that worships the the whatever it is, whether it's soccer, or airplanes, or trains, or whatever, in the yeah. same way that you do. And very often, there are movies made by people who are like super into soccer, been a soccer fan their whole life. They love soccer. They love it so much, right? And they make what they think is their love letter to soccer, and they make the movie about it. And then a soccer fan watches it, and the soccer fan's like, 
You don't love soccer like I do. You don't know anything about soccer. This is so stupid. This would never happen in soccer. I, of course, I thought about this last night watching Devs, which I want to recommend that you watch. I thought about, I wonder what Syracuse I've, said. I've already dropped a mention to it earlier than you missed it. I have watched the first two episodes. Okay. Save it for the show. Mm-hmm. I will. Okay. You, you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I totally agree. And it, it'll take you, I mean, you don't, even if you're not being a strictly like a pedant, there's this kind of people that are like, oh my God, there was one I saw not long ago. Oh, we were watching, I want to say Inglorious Bastards or something with a uniform in it. And this, uh, the, I, I don't know why I ever look at the IMDB goofs. <laughs> for, for Inglorious Bastards, the, uh, the historical record that is Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's actually a perfect example. But it was like, you know, so no, it was somebody in a scene. It might have, something was, was something like an admiral or a general. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you know, this is just what they do all day. It's just go mm-hmm. in and say the insignia was at the wrong angle. Yep. Or like the the mortar board was loose at the end or something. And you're like, I don't know if that's a goof. It's not a continuity problem. It's just. It's a plot hole. That's what they call everything, right? Oh, that's right. That's the phrase they use, plot hole. There's a, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, who is it? Snell? That drives him crazy, right? Why didn't you guys talk about that plot hole where mm-hmm. little women. Where the insignia was crooked. Did you know that plot hole where little women, women is not shown in order? The scenes are like from different times. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I had the same problem with, I, I normally really like Quentin Tarantino, but I went to see Pulp Fiction and there were different characters being introduced at different times. And like, I just, uh, as a, as a, as a troop, as a veteran, I, I cannot abide that level of carelessness and continuity. Yeah. It's a, the, the the thing, I mean, that's, that's just pedantry and you're right, but like, but the enthusiasm gap is, is a real thing. Oh, like, totally. That, well, especially and, and like, when it comes like the sound, like that doesn't, that's not the right sound. Like I would know, or, or like, or, okay. So what about, what about the iCloud restore screen in devs? Oh yeah. Well, right. you know. No, no, but just, you know, just so you know what I'm talking about, where you look at that and you're like, okay, I still, I still love you TV show, but you've got to be kidding me with that. I, I, look how fast that progress bar was going. That was unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're never going to get progress bars that are that good. Yeah. But the, the thing about like the, the setting aside the pedantry, right? What it, it's not, I think most enthusiasts are more than willing to forgive inaccuracies. What they want is the spirit to be captured. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, and you know, my, my personal example, mm. if there is, I'm a software developer, right? If and very often there are movies that feature software developers. Uh, I'm not. I've never really been in the place where I'm like, oh, you're not accurately <laughs> representing had to type with another person on the same keyboard at the same time. <laughs> you're you're not accurately representing software development. Therefore, I think your movie is bad. Like I'm not really in that place. Never really have been in that place. What you're always looking for. If the movie's good, you'll overlook it, right? No, it's not. Not so much that. It's what you're looking for. What you're hoping in your heart of hearts, whether you're a car guy or a programmer or you're super into trains or soccer, is you're hoping that because this is a thing that you know intimately. Whether mm-hmm. either vicariously as you know a hobby or an observer, or as a thing that you actually do, what you're hoping is that the movie captures the spirit of the thing, because you know they're not going to catch the details. In fact, they shouldn't catch the details because it would be too boring. And all the people who are like the pedantry of like that screen wasn't right, or the code that was on the screen was gibberish. In the case of development stuff, that doesn't matter. What you want to see on the screen is you want to see reflected back to you something that you've experienced. It should it mm. should feel true to you. it should feel true, right? It's not going to be real. And it's not going to right. be accurate, but it should be like when I see that person on the screen, I recognize their experience. I feel like my experiences are being shown back to me. Or you should feel it or you should. I mean, like, I don't know, not to sound whatever, but like or you. I also feel like you should have some empathy for like uh, that really does seem like the way that that black guy would be treated in a store. It should be something about it that really resonates. But you're you're saying it doesn't your point being it doesn't have to be a pedantic 
insistence that it all, all and every fact be exactly true and complete because that's not and a in movie. Fa- and in that's fact, a- it shouldn't be because yeah. it, sometimes people try to do that. Say you're doing a movie about trains and you you make every single detail correct. It ends up being a bad movie that even train enthusiasts don't like. because like, well, the train stuff was accurate, but it was a movie that didn't engage me. Or even or they'll say like when they do that, they'll still get one thing wrong because people are human. And they'll say not only was this not an entertaining movie, but they didn't even manage to get all the train stuff right because right. they tried really right, hard right. and they got this one thing wrong. Um, and so with car stuff, setting aside like, oh, that's not how cars work or that's ridiculous. See Duke of, ha- Dukes of Hazard and all sorts of things like that. What you, <laughs> what you want to see. Duke boards got themselves in a dilly of a pickle. <laughs> yeah. What you, what you want to see is like something that reflects whatever your experience of dealing with cars is. So say you're into yeah. cars and you're, you're into making hot rods and repairing your own cars. If you saw a movie where there was a character who was also repairing a car and that was integral to the plot in their life, you want it to feel true to like, yes, I also... I'm constantly out there tinkering with the car and it's and I don't just want to see it as like a side plot of like, oh, the husband is out there tinkering with the car, like whatever. You want to see it as like it's so important in your life that you get off work and all you can think about is how you're going to do that repair or what part you're going to get. And you're saving up for that part and you're wondering if you're going to get like an OEM part or you're going to go to the junkyard. And like it so consumes the, your life and mm-hmm. you never see that reflected in a movie because the best you can get is a glimpse of something in a background or whatever. And suddenly a movie comes out where it's not about car repair but it's like a character study or an action movie but like weirdly heavily features the prominence of the mental footprint of car uh restoration in the mind of the protagonist in a way that feels real to you even Mm -hmm. if the car is a made-up car or it's like the part there they're getting for isn't a real part you watch and you're like finally like i don't care about the details i that's how i feel i Mm -hmm. when i'm on the commute home i'm also thinking about how i'm going to get that frozen nut off Right. Mm-hmm. And it is a triumph when I get it. And it's not played for laughs. And like and you never see that. Right. So it's like that with with any, you know, any kind of trains, submarines, cars, computer programming or whatever. You just this the super enthusiasts or the people who are deep in it are looking for something to be reflected on the screen that will never be put into the movie except by someone who also understands that. And even if they understand it, very often it's next impossible to sell that type of movie to say i'm going to do this movie mm-hmm. and the main character is going to restore cars and i'm going to feature that super prominently They'd be like what is, is your movie is it a car repair movie? you can't make a car <laughs> repair movie it's like no well it's more complicated than that but you see this is an important part i'm like it seems like that'd be a very small section on pornhub right well you know yeah everything everything's relative but really so you never see that so what car guys are like, well, I, I can see a movie with fancy cars and I can see a movie with fancy cars driven really well. But whatever it is that I'm into about cars, some particular, you know, brand or some particular type of engine or like some particular motorsport thing or whatever, I'm never going to see a thing about that. And that is sort of the eternal disappointment for sort of object enthusiast movies that mm-hmm. you will forever be just. Able, you know, just trying to enjoy what you are offered. So, so, so you, you would say that we disagree on the definition for our own purposes. Like for you, uh, that that would be, and I, and I want to hear an example of this. For me, it's like, were the stunts good? Was it fun? Was it entertaining? Was it immersive? Right? Yeah, that's not that, that's not what what you know. You saying that it makes perfect sense as yeah, a definition not of your car thing. movie. Not, not but the thing that came thing. to my mind yeah. was not that. The thing that came to my mind would be a movie focused on on the car as an object that is important to the person's life in a like fury road almost does it because that big truck that furiosa drives is such mm-hmm. a character 
oh, in, yeah. the, in the thing. And they, they spend a lot of time dealing with it and repairing it and what, you know, what different compartments it has. And the same kind of the Millennium Falcon as a character. I love, I love the like, horn on that thing. That wonk, wonk. It's such a great right. horn. And the movie is not about that truck. But uh, if you've seen that movie even a couple of times, mm-hmm. it's that truck got a is a character. Role. And you, you could probably draw a picture of it and show me where all the parts are and where all the different things are. And, you know, you know the part when it got stuck. When the door first opens and right. she goes and, between the trailer and the – or the um, – tank in the trailer well it's, it's like it's like oh my god wait a minute what so they're back there <laughs> and then the kill switch and how to start it and the yes. knife and the shift lever like you know that 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 vehicle is a character and that kind of prominence of you know granted a totally made up vehicle it's not like you know there's no sort of pedantic inaccuracies or anything like that although someone probably who knows more about like big rigs would tell you that some some part of the drive frame was unrealistic or whatever yeah it's the same kind of guy that says that a morton joe uh steals valor with all those pins he found. <laughs> yeah, he, do, he does, though. He does steal them. Do not become Looks addicted like to Valor. That, I think, is the closest in your list to overlap with mine in terms of what I think of as a car movie. Okay. Uh, because it does, it does weirdly, uh, it does weirdly feature cars. And all the, the whole franchise does. The whole Mad Max franchise, like the Road Warrior and all that stuff. Like, it's clear that the person who made it is into cars and and vehicles in a way that doesn't really make any kind of rational sense mm-hmm. it, it makes sense from like this is the movie he wanted to make but it's like yeah, if you're in a post-apocalyptic world why are you rot and, and gasoline is scarce like why are you driving around the because de- it's cool okay like just don't, yeah. don't ask questions yeah, <laughs> right, totally totally <laughs> what the movie's about and but then get to, to get so weirdly into it to the sort of the, the hot rotting post-apocalyptic hot rotting culture and this the affection and sort of connection with the vehicle. Furo said, isn't just, mm-hmm. doesn't just know that vehicle, but like you can tell there's an affection and it, it is a, it carries her through the movie and she knows oh, it. She's terrific. Uh, and um, anyway, that's, that's probably my biggest overlap. And then, and then there, I love the ending. It's not a car thing, but I also, I love the ending where she's up there and everybody's hollering, screaming and cheering for her. And they kind of, they make eye contact, but there's not like a, not like a big like acknowledgement, but then he just walks away. Like he does a little, does a little nod. That's the, that's the reason that's a meme gif. It's such a it's such a a great such a great scene. So what are we gonna do? Are you gonna tell me what's wrong with my list, or do you want to tell me some of your favorites and why? Uh, um, We're running see, a little long, but I'd like to hear yeah, more about yeah. this. I'd like the car uh, talk. I mean, I think your your definition is perfectly fine, and it's probably what most people have. I'm having trouble thinking of a car movie that uh, sort of fits uh, my mold. Like uh, Fury Road is is probably the best example what's a movie where hard pivot what's a movie where programming development scripting is happening and it meets your criteria for a good computer movie uh, war games we weirdly enough war games does a pretty good job mm-hmm. obviously the details are ridiculous right but uh what are you the, talking spe- about? <laughs> the spirit of sort of curiosity uh, leading you like because the curiosity driving, especially in the early days of computers, like you had to have mm-hmm. this sort of uh, it was so it was you so had to unfriendly. figure a lot out on your own, right? It and it was so uninviting, mm-hmm. like it it didn't have broad appeal. You you need a certain mindset to even be interested enough to pursue it when the audio visual input is so spare, like it's <laughs> green it's green text on a black yep. screen. And you really have to imagine what this could become to be interested enough to endure it in any way. Right. Uh, but that there's curiosity plenty, plenty of friction to the uptake. Yeah. And that, 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 you know, the desire to know how that works because you can envision what it could become. And you're interested in what it is today, just because the idea that you could type a thing and make some lights appear on a screen in a particular pattern, if that 
it, that sets off all your alarm bells and you know like that feeling was captured by war games uh which spends a lot of time showing green text on a black screen and tries to make it gripping and it connected with me as a kid but also the way that ali sheedy gets to be like the companion or you know what i mean not the, you know i'm sorry you know what i mean like in, in the doc in doctor who but like somebody where he could she's the audience proxy for like mm-hmm. him explaining yep. how a hard drive works i remember seeing that when i was uh, an early mac person I saw it later, and I remember being so freaked out that he just pulls the disc out while it's running. I was like, oh, my God, that's like that's like Bruce Lee tearing your heart out and showing it to you. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if there have been any software development movies. I don't think I've seen one yet that uh, reflected that at all. Well, or like, okay, how about um, – what's the one everybody likes that I like? Uh, Robert Redford and River – Sneakers. Sneakers. I like that movie. I mean, that's more of a – like uh, Cold War, espionage, oh, that's spy, true. We paranoia. Were on that episode? You were on that episode, right? I was on that episode. I, I like the movie, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't really capture anything that resonates with me about... God, the role... So many good people. You're just like... Uh, I love anything with... Uh, David Strahan, is that his name? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, funny... Uh, speaking of him, um, sports movies, very similar. Um, like somebody... So like Eight Man Out, Eight Men Out, which I think is a very good movie... Um, like somebody, there's, there's a lot you could tear up in that. There's history, there's baseball, there's personalities. There's like, was Shoeless Joe the right height? Did he have the right, like, you know, Southern accent, but also like, just, it's funny sports movies. It would have to be one where like, you would not want a sports movie to be made by somebody who's not deeply familiar with and maybe in love with that sport. Yeah, and sports movies is a, is a subsection that I think we have lots of good examples, probably because sports are very popular. And it's not like, you know, a, a more esoteric hobby where the, the overlap between great directors who are also super into model trains is probably small. The overlap between great directors who are in love with some kind of sport, especially in this country, mm-hmm. is really big. So I think oh, we yeah, have lots true. of really good sports movies. I mean, I you know, baseball alone, you can find. And not only do you have so many good, you know, sports movies and good baseball movies, you have good baseball movies sort of finding new ways to be good baseball movies. Like you, you're, it's such an embarrassment of riches that you get a field of dreams, which is barely even about <laughs> baseball, but resonates with people who love baseball. Like you're, you're plumbing the depths oh, of how, it's so yeah, that's a really good point. How you can make a baseball movie. Forget about the straight up the middle one. They, they're like, we can do field of dreams. There's so many baseball movies being made. Um, the natural is one of my favorite baseball. Movies. You know, I never saw that. That's a wonder boy. Oh, you the should bat. definitely see really? that. You have not seen that movie. Absolutely. It is a, it is a straight up the middle prototypical. I mean, it's not Rudy, but like, or like the Karate Kid is the example I always use. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Like a, a, a 100% by the book, by the formula, excellent, beautiful, perfect specimen of the kind of movie that it is. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, I don't think there'll ever be a Karate Kid like movie as good as the Karate Kid. It is such, it's such a, <laughs> such a formula, uh, but it's such a perfect example. And the natural, I feel like is close to that for baseball. I'm also going to do a weird pivot here to one of my all-time favorite podcast episodes of all time, which I'm going to say, I don't know if I like part one or part two better. They're both great. Hypercritical on the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs book. To me, that's, I know we're talking about nonfiction now, but like, you know, in addition to what you had, you were so emotional about that in a wonderful way. And like the frustration, like, I feel like to, to sum it up, there was the theme of like, oh my God, you had one chance to do this. Mm-hmm. And like you, you screwed that up. And of course you were um, comparing unfavorably with um, Robert Caro's, uh, no wait, Robert Caro, right? Yeah, the power broker. And yeah. Moses, what's his first name? Robert Moses. 
um, who also did some books on Johnson. But um, in that case, like it's it was it was sort of like you were very emotional because there was some an element of it that was like, ah, you had this one chance. Like this was so important to me. I had a picture of this guy in my room when I was a teenager and you, you screwed it up. But like the part where I have to say, I heard, I feel like I've heard some of the sincerest laughter from Dan I've ever heard was when you were getting into <laughs> grittier and grittier details. They acquired next as a way to, da, 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 and they go, did they, is that what they did? <laughs> Textbook. I got a little riled up. It's <laughs> a textbook sure. ad hominem. But that, no, Although, but, spe- speaking, of, yeah. speaking of getting riled up, I can just imagine Robert Caro, who we know is listening to this episode right now. Yeah. Uh, hearing you make what is perhaps the largest understatement you've ever made in this program, which is that he wrote some books on Johnson or whatever. I think he wrote, he, wrote, he wrote two or three. I think he's got another one coming. I think he wrote some books on Johnson. <laughs> Robert Caro is now. You just, you've killed him. <laughs> uh, he Then he put out that book about writing, which meant he would be a guest on Fresh Air type shows. And I thought he was a delight. It was really nice to hear. And I don't think his wife, I think his wife probably is maybe not getting enough credit, maybe. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, you agree with that? No, I agree that she's absolutely not getting enough credit. She, I mean, it, it kind of, you can't really contain the extent to which she's obviously the brains and brawn of the operation today. I, yeah, well, I mean, he, he did some stuff too. Right? Oh, no, there's <laughs> lots about, like, so, I mean, I, you know, you know how it is when you go out and promote a book or a movie and you kind of give the same interview over and over. So I heard the same mm-hmm. interview like three different times, I think. But, um... But talking in particular about like wh- how he like moved, he moved to Texas, mm-hmm. he moved his family to Texas. We've to talked be- about this on the show. That's a, that's we? a great YouTube rabbit hole. If you want to go, I mean, in his old, he's very old now. Yes. So he's a little bit slowed down. Yes, but if you want to go look, find, find Robert Caro interviews from like uh, a couple decades ago. It's, it's like Feynman interviews. They're all delightful. It, may, it might just be the accent. I think, uh, I don't know how this will turn out in the end, but I feel like uh, I would do this again with uh with different things and maybe you could dominate one we could talk about uh you know certain kind of movie thing just keep it in your pocket yeah we'll, we'll add it to the doc but uh, and this is a uh uh we'll assign some homework now okay. uh, you assigned some homework for me to watch this thing called devs which i had no idea there's two episodes there's two episodes out john is that all there's out really yeah mm-hmm. another one thursday I, watched right, well, them. Yeah. I don't know why I just clicked on it last night. I heard, I heard, so you know, it was the guys on, um, the guys on the watch liked it. And, um, and I thought, Oh, what the heck? And I flipped it on. I was like, Oh, it's that guy. It's the guy from Ex Machina. And that's the dancing lady. Oh my God. And, uh, I watched both of them stayed up too late watching both. And I was like, and I was so bummed when I hit the button. Cause I was like, Oh crap. I, I thought, really should go I to sleep. Thought, I thought the whole season was out. You're killing me. <laughs> No, are you? You're through. No, no, you gotta wait till Thursday, buddy. I did not know that. Oh I, no, I, I, I just. All right, anyway, it's fine. Um, what are we, recommend- cavemen? We, we we are going to talk about it on the show at some point in the future, so if you want to participate in that discussion, watch Devs, which is on Hulu, which uh, is not about what I thought it was going to be about, but I'm enjoying it. This is one of those that fits, I feel like, um, fits right into our wheelhouse on the ethics of recommendation title, um, which mm-hmm. is that you're going to know, first of all, I, based on, two, I don't want to oversell it, but based on two episodes, I this is going to be a very difficult blimp to land. But I, I do feel confident <laughs> sure. highly recommending this show. And second part two is that to, to John's and 
occasionally my criteria, you're going to know pretty pretty fast if this is not for you. Ab- absolutely. And I knew very quickly you, it was you will, for me, you so, will, so yeah, good oh, recommendation. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's... Although I agree with your assessment of the degree of difficulty. I'm kind of watching it just to see the train crash at this point. <laughs> absolutely. And like the, there's, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so check it out. It's devs. It's uh, Ron Swanson's on it. Doesn't even talk about big... Oh, also the drummer uh, from um, uh, Scott Pilgrim. She's great. Oh, that's that's where she's in the Picard too, and I'm like, she's in Picard. She's you, also in Snowpiercer. You, this is this is your superpower, right? You know where people are from. Oh, you're not gonna believe the one. I, you're not gonna believe the one I nailed last night. I will believe it because I heard some other podcast where you told me about it. Oh probably. no, this is a Go new ahead. one. This is from last night. This is literally last right. night, which is we're watching uh, Grey's Anatomy, and I did my telltale thing where I turned toward the girls and I said and I held up my index finger and I did this with my eyes like this, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm-hmm. "Yep, I know him." And like, okay, fine. Who is it? Do your power. Um, mm-hmm. But the guy's all beat up. He's old. He, uh, you know, he's like, uh, it's obviously a guest star guy. I look at it. I set my eyes and I say, I say the dad from the Wonder Years. And that's a pretty good pull. Yeah, I think I might have been able to get that one. This the Scott Pilgrim one you just said is really making me feel terrible because she's got a very prominent forehead. Because like so, I saw her on Picard. I'm like, oh, I know her. She's from and guess where I guess where I pulled from? Did I pull from Scott Pilgrim, which I've seen a hundred times? No, mm. no, I did not. Huh. I pulled from Stupid Newsroom, the Newsroom. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, that's what I should. And she is she is from the Newsroom. She was on the Newsroom. Sure. She also yeah. looks a lot like another actress. Um, and maybe and hopefully is she's from the one from the Newsroom, right? Well, I gotta um, what were we watching when I, I I guessed wrong? Uh, maybe Jojo Rabbit. Um, but well, your super superpower is failing. Well, no, I have a lot of problems, John. But I am I am pretty good. But and sometimes, but it is funny. Like I I I, I should find the original citation of this because I, I I mentioned this so often. I th- want to say it was on uh, Build and Analyze. But I want, Marco said that he has a Snap to Grid name. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him saying that? Yep. And I think about that all the time. The Snap to Grid. So we know that on the Mac, one of the great little features on the Mac was where you could say Snap to Grid. And your icons would all line up and like be in a pretty grid by like satisficing with where you dropped. Anyway, but uh, his is not the grid name, which means that there is a name that's much better known than his. And that's what people end up calling him. Yep. My wife has very much a name like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, she's from the newsroom. Anyway, that's what I identified. That, but, then, but, but, yeah. but as soon as you said Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, yeah, of course. She's also the drummer from Scott Pilgrim. How did I connect her to, of all things, the newsroom, which is a show I didn't even really like? But what's her line? If you're Scott, if your life, if your life had a face, I'd punch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Something like that. Yeah, that's that's a good movie. She's, she's that really that good dead enough. that dead stare with those big eyes staring straight at the camera. She's so good. You know, what's is great yeah. in that is that uh, Anna, Anna Kendrick. Boy, often can a lot, pretty, a lot of pretty people in that movie. A lot of pretty people. Oh, it's got Captain America. Maybe before he was Captain America. Yep, definitely before. And who else, who else is pretty in that? Oh, Superman is in it. Superman is the uh, vegan mm-hmm. bass player. Yep, that's pretty wild uh, if you think about it. You go, uh, who's not? Oh, you got. Oh, you've got. Um, not. Mm, I don't think she's. But you got uh, Captain Marvel, aka Room, is in it. Yep. Yep. Uh, Brie Larson. Black sheep, come home. Black sheep. That is a really good movie. Oh, and of course it's got uh, it's got uh, George Michael. Yeah. Oh, oh, and it's got and it's got uh, uh, Culkin. Cul- What's his name in the show I like? Uh, uh, Roman, uh, Roman, Romulus, Roman. There you go. Yes. yes. Still got it, kid. They, Still got before it. Before they were stars. Mm. 